Aaron Jones has checked in for him, dotting the eye, and he takes it, and now bounces out. Fresh oh legs. This Aaron is it. Jones. This is it's the touchdown. Green Bay wins. I think we may have a new star in Lambeau. On his first carry of the day, in after Williams basically needed a blow, he does the blow by for a touchdown to win the game. Yeah, and this is this is all what we talked about all game. Dirk Cutter mentioned it, Mike Smith mentioned it with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Lane integrity, they failed to deliver. And Jamal Williams, as he did all afternoon, made them play. Aaron Jones. Young man.
What's up, everybody? Mmm, it's so good. Welcome to Blue Cheese Radio. Who's your host, Mike? Time in. This is good stuff. What you Please got there, Mike? Sweet. A W. Good Lord. This is good stuff. Tastes like crab legs. Oh yeah. Have you <laughs> Have you eaten yours yet? Uh, you know, I just kind of took them and ran right to mm. the end zone. No. Oh. Just keep on running. Man, this is good stuff. It's been a while since I've had a W. It's been a while since we've had a W. Well, we were uh, I feel like certainly... an Ethiopian child with a cracker. <laughs> Feasting on W's on Sunday. Mm. Right, hang on a second. Let me finish it. Man, that's gamey. Oh, take your time. Hang on. Let me, let me wash this down. Uh, make sure you dip it in the butter first. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Been a while since you had one of those, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been a while. Ooh, it's been a while. Mm, that was a good SW. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Blue Cheese Radio. I'm your host, Mike. Joined, as always, by Titletown Ty. And I am good to go. Belly full. Because uh, we ate a big fat W on, on Sunday as we... Uh, Ran all over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 26-20 in overtime. And Jameis Winston doing Jameis Winston things. And Dean Lowry running for touchdowns. And Interesting game. It was an interesting game. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Jamal least. Williams' stomach is plenty full because they just kept feeding him the rock the whole game. So I'd say he was feasting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jamal Williams was the main course, and Aaron Jones was that little bit of dessert at the end. <laughs> Beautiful meal. Made the <laughs> W all the all worth the while. Um, but, yeah, the Packers are still alive in the playoff hunt, believe it or not. Aaron Rodgers could possibly be back after this week, but we have a tall task in front of us. The Cleveland Browns, we head to Cleveland to take on Deshaun Kaiser and the winless Cleveland Browns. Is it a trap game, or can you really even call any of the Packers games this season a trap game? Because, you know, with Brett Hundley at quarterback, without Aaron Rodgers, we could viably lose pretty much any game we play. (laughs) I mean, you know, the playoffs started last week, really. Like, seriously, for the Packers. And this is a playoff game. It's essentially what it is. It doesn't matter that the Browns are winless. These are some of the most dangerous teams because they have nothing to lose. Yeah, and the Browns have been playing; uh, they've been playing teams tight. Oh yeah, they've been they've for the last the last five games they've given they've given the teams they've played some fits and starts. Uh, Even last earlier week, in they, the year, Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Uh, they played the Chargers tight. They had a chance to pull, I guess, within two near the end of the game, but I it was like a. You know, turnover or turnover on down, something like that happened. But, you know, they keep it close, and they play tough, and they, they have a uh, a lot of talent on a team that doesn't have any – that hasn't won a game all year. Uh, but the, I could I could name you three or four games here off the top of my head that they definitively had a shot to win. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Jacksonville game was close. The, the Tennessee game was close. You mentioned the Pittsburgh game. Um, you know, even – they played Minnesota close for about a half – <laughs> uh, in England, so yeah. uh, 
this can be a dangerous team. But uh, we'll talk about them. We'll get into a little bit more of a. Uh, I want to get into more of a little philosophical conversation for our Browns preview later because the Browns, it's the Browns are such an interesting team. They're just an interesting friend, sports franchise. Period. They uh, really the are. Story. Yeah, just moving to Baltimore in the middle of the night, uh, like then coming back two years later. So, like the Colts left Baltimore, uh, and just the the plethora of bad luck and just just complete shit that they've been through since they've been back in Cleveland. Uh, it's just an interesting topic I want to touch on. We don't get to play the Browns every every year, so they're kind of an uncommon opponent. So, I mean, the uh, Browns are like might as well take they're like the Jan can. Brady of the NFL. Things just and don't go nice. their way. <laughs> no, I mean, just even going back to the Tim Couch days, to uh, oh, what was his name? Uh, Charles La Charles Bentley. Remember when they drafted uh, I him? Mean, the high, last good notable quarterback they had that did a whole lot for that city was Bernie Kosar. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, I, I Derek Anderson had that one good year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Derek Anderson, they thought they had found the the savior of the team in Derek Anderson. They went 10-6 and six that year, still missed the playoffs, and that's like the closest that they've been. Although I think they did go to the playoffs in the early 2000s. Uh, 2002. They lost a, yeah, and they lost to Pittsburgh in that like 51-50 to 51 to 50 game or something like that. That's yeah. ridiculous. But, but for the most part, uh, and the Browns are in a really terrible spot right now, but we'll get into the Browns here a little bit later. We'll touch on the, the Packers and the Bucks. Uh, the overtime victory for the Packers this past Sunday. Uh, but as we do every week, we're going to start this week off with our NFC North Power Rankings for this week. Ty, you want to go first this week? Yeah, sure, Mike. I'll uh, lead us off. And starting from the bottom up, the Bears are still in the basement. I think that's going to remain the same for the remainder of the season. I think the Bears are what they are. Um, I'm still not impressed with Mitchell Trubisky to say the least they've got pieces they've got pieces I just I don't know I I really don't know they're at a crossroads at this point because they gave up a lot for Trubisky I think it would be a mistake to fire John Fox because I think he is a very good NFL coach he's a highly successful NFL coach if you want to get down to it They'll, they're going to fire In the words him. of Mike McCarthy. Yeah, but, uh, but they'll fire you know, They're they'll sitting there at number four. Uh, they probably will because they're idiots. <laughs> yeah. They do things like hire Mark Tressman. They're so making all the mistakes that the Browns have made for the past two decades. They they really are. That's the road they're heading down. Yeah. And uh, at number three, I've got the Packers still holding strong, but they're teetering. They're teetering up flirting you, with that number two if they can eat some more W's and get Aaron Rodgers back. Because we saw a lot from this up? running game. Is and... that physically possible to teeter up? <laughs> I mean, you can fall upstairs. I've done it. <laughs> okay, so well, yeah, okay. Maybe well, I guess the Packers are kind of point, falling Packers, up right now. Yeah, the Packers are falling upstairs kind of right now. Yeah, they're, they're falling upward. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear said it. it. They're falling with style. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've seen a lot of positive things about this team. The running game, like I said, especially, there's a lot of potential in this running game, this very young running game. Um, the defense, 
showed some life even in the pass rush special team showed some life so they're at number three tentatively if they can keep getting the w's at number two i've got the lions who they're just kind of on a skid right now uh they're kind of like the bears for me they are what they are i don't think they're gonna get much better i don't think they're gonna get much worse they just kind of are as they have been for a while now and the vikings are at number one with a nasty nasty defense and god knows what kind of deal with the devil case keenum made in the off season but it's working because he just he just doesn't mess up and that's that's the key to it all he doesn't mess up yeah a quarterback that doesn't mess up and is not going to lose the game for you with a defense like that you're you're gonna have this kind of record yeah, that's usually a uh, recipe for success. <laughs> when you yeah. have a good defense and a quarterback doesn't screw things up. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to differ with you this week. Uh, I do have the Bears at number four at three and nine. Uh, boy, they lost to San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo. They, the Bears lost to, what was it, five field goals <laughs> by, the, yeah. by the 49ers, so... Yeah, the Bears are they're they're in a, a real downward spiral right now. I think John Fox will probably be gone. I don't think he should. I think John Fox is a good coach. I think that defense has a lot of potential. But like I said, the Browns are kind of making all or the Bears are kind of making all the mistakes that the Browns have made for the past two decades. So they're in the basement, number four, and at number three this week I have the Lions and I have the Packers at oh. number two this week, both at six and six. Yes, the Lions beat the Packers. Uh, earlier in the season, but if you ask me where the arrows are pointing for each team, I think the arrow is pointing down for the Lions right now, and the arrow is pointing up for the Packers. The Packers played a really, really good Pittsburgh Steelers team and took them to the wire without Aaron Rodgers. Then they come back this week. The Packers find a way to win, which is what all you have to do when you have a quarterback like Brett Hundley, when you have a young quarterback – you just got to find a way to win. It ain't going to be pretty. It ain't going to be stylish. It ain't going to be an Aaron Rodgers victory. You just got to find a way. And they were pretty much beaten in every aspect of, the, of that Tampa Bay game, which we'll get into here in just a second. Yeah. But they found a way to win, and that's important. Now they're playing the Cleveland Browns, and then they might get Aaron Rodgers back. The arrow's pointing up for the Packers and the Lions after losing to Minnesota on Thanksgiving. They get just completely just run over by the Baltimore Ravens. Who saw that coming? Um so oh, I got the yeah, Lions at three and the Packers at two this week. I mean, I like it. And like you said, the only thing that really keeps me from the main thing that keeps from uh from putting the Packers at number two is that the Lions beat them and they they still have yet to face them and Brett Hundley is still a big enough question mark for me that I'm not ready to jump them up just yet. I don't know, man. I, I think if I don't know if I I just think right now the Packers are in a better position than than Detroit is because I think even I think Stafford even got hurt at the end of that uh, Baltimore game. I don't even know. I don't think he oh. finished the game. So so yeah, I, I don't know. That'd be something to keep an eye on. But I got the Packers at two and the Vikings at number one, of course, ten and two. Like I said, great defense with a quarterback that isn't messing things up with a running game. Uh, Adam Thielen is playing out of his mind. A wide receiver. Vikings number one in the NFC North and quite possibly the best team uh, in the in the league this year. Um, 
But we all know where, where it's going to end. They're not winning the Super Bowl with Case Keenum. So it's, it's good. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, nothing really. I don't suspect they may make it to the, the NFC title game, but they're you know it's NFC so stacked this year they're gonna they're gonna have a rough time uh, duplicating the success they've had already. But I got them at number one. Um, so yeah, uh, we differ on the Lions and Packers, and I just think I don't know, man. I think the arrows pointing up for the Packers, and, and the Lions are kind of uh, uh, kind of in a downfall right now. I mean, I'll take that. You're, you're a little more on the uh, on a positive swing than I am. Um, in the words <laughs> of Cam Newton, just gotta keep the pendulum swinging forward. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think our defense has been playing better. You know, I do too. It's just that um, you know they they took a pretty big hit this week. Yeah, we took uh, we took a big hit this week. Um, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and get into the news, touch on that. Packers did place Kevin King on IR. Um, how big of a you know how big of a how big of a loss is this? Because you got Randall playing well, you got Devon House well, still. Um, I I feel like at this point, without the shoulder injury, King had developed into our probably our best outside corner that could play more one on one, just on the outside. Randall mm-hmm. has flourished in the slot. I don't really want them to have to try to force him back out. Yeah. Because he's really turning into something playing that that star corner position. So I mean, I think it's a big hit, especially because King had become a really solid tackler. I mean, he saved that touchdown on the end around in the Pittsburgh game big time. Mm-hmm. Just with his length and being able to get out there and make the play to trip up Martavis Bryant. So I mean, I definitely think we're losing something there. They also have Ty Montgomery on IR, which we hadn't touched on previously with a wrist injury. Though, at this point, between Jones and Williams, if everything stays you know healthy there, I don't think we're really missing anything at this point with Montgomery going to IR. Yeah, and that, you know, that's an interesting point with Montgomery going on IR, and we've seen what Aaron Jones can do. We're seeing what Jamal Williams can do. Uh you know, after this you, season, where does Montgomery where does Montgomery go from here? Or do you? I really him, don't know. Do you put him back at wide I mean, receiver? Do you keep him at running back? I, I don't know because Williams has. We knew Jamal Williams was a good pass blocker. He had the most pass blocking experience in the running back room from just his time in college. But he's turned out to be a really solid threat in the passing game as well. He's a yeah. much better receiver out of the backfield than I thought he was going to be. So, I mean, he he's kind of taken over that role that Montgomery had along with being a really strong power runner. And then, you know, Aaron Jones is just a threat to take it to the house every time he touches the ball. So I don't know at this point where Montgomery fits. Yeah, it is kind of a weird conundrum that they're in because, you know, they kind of – I don't know. I could see them put trying to put him back at wide receiver next year, kind of turning him into the slot because I, I, you know, uh, I, I don't know how much of a spot there is with the running backs right now. If Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are what they seem to be. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, at but this I don't know point, how Montgomery me, would handle like, that. Montgomery wants to play running back. He's he tried. He's you know he's worked on his body to, to put. Yeah, he worked on it uh, in the off season. He's. You know, uh, trained his body 
for it, which, you know, I don't know how much of that worked out since he's been pretty much injured the entire year. But, yeah. you know, he, he's com- he committed to playing running back, and now you're going to be asking him to go back to his now. You know, we'll see. There's, it's, I almost it's wonder while. if they might not have more of like a um, – how do I put it? More of an H-back type role from Montgomery that he can shift – to the slot he can shift outside he can shift to the backfield he can take handoffs take screens like a utility role all right folks sorry about that uh technical difficulties uh on our or my end uh specifically uh but we're back uh let's get back into the news and uh move on here so Tom Montgomery put on IR to have a uh, surgery on his injured wrist this week uh other news Packers do activate cornerback Dimitri Goodson yeah, we've got off him. the pup list, so we may not miss Kevin King too much after all. <laughs> Goodson is coming back. He's been gone for like two years, hasn't he? Uh, I don't really know what what, else, what all to say about Dimitri Goodson. <laughs> well, he missed all of last year. He's missed most of this I mean, year. He's been good. He's been a good special teamer. I gotta give him that. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Oh, well, um, who are our cornerbacks now? We Devon House, Demarius Randall, Lindsey Pipkins, Donatello Brown. Lindsey Pipkins, <laughs> coolest name ever. Yeah, uh, uh, Donatello Brown, Dimitri Goodson, and Morgan Burnett will also play slot corner. Oh Lord! I mean, he's been good there. I gotta give him that. Morgan Burnett has been really good at slot corner. Yeah, but, that, but we're running thin at corner right now. We're so. running thin at safety too. <laughs> oh well. So you got to wonder how this affects them playing the uh, the nitro. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I haven't really noticed too much of them playing the nitro in the past couple of uh, games. Yeah, I mean, so. it's just we're we're just running running a little thin at spots. So, the Packers activated... I don't know. We'll find a way to mesh this together. I don't know. Well, the Packers also activated Michael Clark (laughs) off the practice squad. (laughs) Seamless. Uh, Yes, he sure did, Ty. How about that? Uh, Yeah. He's off. (laughs) Oh, geez. Technical difficulties, folks, and we're trying to uh, patch this bitch together. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, you know... Let's just let's but, just pretend uh, like this has gone smoothly so far tonight. Um, but yeah, sure, you're galore. you're absolutely right. Michael Clark was activated off practice squad uh, this week. Um, do you plan on the Packers trying to play him any uh, throughout? Like, is there um, a certain role that they want? Maybe red zone target. Um, just trying to get. A I good really look. don't know. It's 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 kind of a mystery at this point. I think they want to look at him. I mean, Geronimo Allison came on strong at the end of last year, and he's been invisible this year. So maybe they're looking for a little more production. Yeah, I mean, like, they're not getting a ton of production from Nelson. No, unfortunately so. not. Outside of Adams and you know Cobb and Spurts, that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, and and um, you know, before we had our our technical issues, we were determining who Devon House compared Michael Clark to. And it was Tampa Bay's Mike Evans. 
and that's high praise coming from a, a very experienced cornerback. Yeah, I don't know if I would go that far. <laughs> Mike Evans is a pretty good uh, wide receiver, but uh, yeah, I guess in terms of skill level and just in sheer size and. Um, you know, I'll even go back. Uh, I think it was him that I saw. It was 89. That, that's the number he wears, right? 89, if I remember correctly. I in believe preseason. so. Yeah, I remember going back, like, during training camp, and, you know, they released, like, little videos and stuff on YouTube of of uh, the ball machine and the receivers standing real close, catching the balls, and Nelson could do it, Cobb could do it, Adams could do it, no sweat. Every other receiver on the team dropped every single one of them, except for Michael Clark, number 89. That's when he first got my attention. Like, so the dude's got good hands. Yeah. Dude can catch a can catch a rocket. So, well, he's huge. Yeah, he's a big old bastard. <laughs> he's like six, well, six, he, six, seven. Because he was a basketball player, right? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And had a, a year of football at Marshall. Yeah, he he's a raw specimen. I mean, right now, I mean, yeah, he he still needs, I'm sure, a lot of refinement in his route running and whatnot, route concepts, but as a possible red zone target or a chuck it up and go get it kind of guy down the field. Yeah. I think we, we could maybe see something. Yeah. A guy with his size and in his hands, um, he's not a guy that you don't expect him to go out and run every route in the route tree. <laughs> like he's no. a guy you tell, just run out. I'm going to throw it up and you go up and get it. And guys like that, you know, go after 50-50 balls, it's more 60-40, 70-30 with guys like that. So, yeah. So, I'll I'll be interested to see what they do with him. Uh he he could be a a specialty weapon, I guess you would say. I don't think he's going to come in and yeah. and you know, take over the number 1 spot anytime soon. I think I think Devontae, well, no. I think Adams has that pretty well secured for the rest of the season at least. Um but uh, it's it's an interesting move. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, other little bits of news here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was back at practice this week running the scout team, uh, the greatest scout team quarterback of all time. I think it's easy to, safe to say. Yeah, uh, he hasn't done that since uh, his days of backing up Favre. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, scout team, they 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 you know should be should be well. Uh, <laughs> well, sir. Well equipped. Yeah, well equipped there. Um, but uh, a quote from McCarthy. McCarthy says Rogers looks amazing. Couldn't tell that anything was wrong with his arm. Um, you know, I think I think in terms of him being able to throw and still have the arm strength and all that, I think he's fine. I think that's pretty much it. The only thing yeah. that the Packers are worried about is you know whether or not he can take a hit in game action. You know, and and still I be mean, all right. Clay Matthews even said that he thinks it's a mistake that they ever even put him on IR. Yeah. I mean, geez, we thought, you know, God, he's going to be out for the whole year and could could he come back even, you know, could he come back the same man? Dude's already, I mean, he could probably play this week uh, if, if, if they needed him to. I'm sure he could. I think he could have played against the Bucks, honestly, if if they needed him to. Yeah. So it probably was a bit of a mistake, but you can't be too careful though. And you, you know, Oh no. No, and I mean, and with putting him on IR, even with a designation to return, that still kind of gives the team the option to sign somebody up to the roster if they need it yeah. and make the corresponding moves to bring him back and whatnot. So I get it. But um, 
and a couple other Packers being given and nominated for awards. Uh, you mentioned to me Dean Lowry getting the uh, Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, NFC Defensive Player of the Week this week for his sweet. Uh, would it be a fumble? Oh, yeah, I guess it would have been a fumble in the interception. Yeah. kind of a pick six. Yeah, <laughs> Dean because Lowry Because Jameis tried six. to throw it. Words you I thought think it you, actually words I thought I would never pick. that would never come out of my mouth. A Dean Lowry pick six. It wasn't, but sixty two yards. Yeah, sixty two yard pick six for Dean Lowry. I like that. Yeah. And um and then Clay Matthews is the Packers nominee this year for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Yeah. So uh Which have you seen the new patches they're wearing now? I have not. Um Drew Brees actually wore his in the game against the uh, the Falcons, the Thursday night game, they have a new Walter Payton Man of the Year patch where it is uh, Walter Payton wearing the cape, just like the trophy, mm-hmm. that current winners that are in the league uh, that have received the award are going to be wearing this um, special patch on their jerseys now to show that they're Walter Payton Man of the Year award recipients. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool for the the recognition there because it is a really prestigious award. You know, a lot goes into it. A lot of off the field work. Yeah, it's definitely goes into it's it. definitely the off the field. Like you know, you got your performance based awards and all that, and that's all good. But you know, like that the Walter Payton Man of the Year award is you know that's a very unique honor. <laughs> you know who yeah. wasn't it? Uh, J. Ron Elliott uh, was the winner last uh, yeah, year. Yeah, he was nominated. Yeah, yeah. So. So yeah, congratulations, Clay Matthews, and we hope you uh, hope you win the whole thing. It's a weird thing to <laughs> it's a weird competition to have, though. You know what I mean? Like each team, and then it's like yeah, it's they narrow like, it down. And it's like who did the most work and who did better charity work, and it's like aren't the who cares? <laughs> like just well, and and you know, Clay has has done a lot of work really since he came into the league, uh, representing the cause for and trying to raise money for. Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Yeah. Uh, the first commercial I remember seeing him doing that for was, I believe, actually during the Super Bowl, during Super Bowl forty-five. Mm-hmm. And he, it's been a cause that he's really stuck with, and you know, he, he's done a lot of good there. He actually wore his uh, "My Cause, My Cleats" this year in the Bucks game. Were actually two different designs, one on each cleat, from a couple boys who do have Duchenne that they designed and he wore the cleats that they designed for him. Hmm. That's really cool. I didn't even know that. I knew that the, they yeah. did the My Cleats, My Cause thing um, this week. I don't know if they were allowed to wear them during the game. I think you can only wear them during the Oh, they did. They wore them during the game? Okay. I remember in years past, yeah, I don't like, know if they changed that or not, but I know in years past they weren't allowed to wear them during the game, but they could wear them during warm-ups and stuff. Oh, yeah, they wore them during the game. It was, it was weird seeing uh, Jameis Winston wearing blue cleats. With that Bucks uniform, yeah, that was, that was a weird <laughs> color combination, but you know. I, but yeah, they did. They warmed during the game this year. Oh, well, cool, cool stuff. Um, so let, speaking of Jameis Winston and his weirdly, uh, <laughs> weirdly colored attire, uh, before we get well, before we get into the Bucks game uh, and go through the injury report and stuff, you had a few hot takes you wanted to get into before we break into it. and then the league wide hot takes and i i dropped i dropped two or three last week uh, i think one was I, I i don't think that who uh the quarterback for the minnesota vikings 
that this time next year that quarterback is not even on the roster this year. Um, and I, I think that's yeah, that true. was a good one. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> I I do. Um, but uh, you had a couple, and I'm interested in hearing them. I, I want to know what's been bouncing around in your mind. <laughs> take wise. Yeah, this is it's a bit of a a bit of a new section we've discussed for our new listeners that we haven't really put into effect. Kind of sort of did last week, and kind of doing it this week. Bit of a hot take blitz if you will, coming at you hard and fast. If you and, will. Uh, first one, I'm a, if you will, <laughs> coming at you on this one, Mike. Um, the NFL league office and the players do not care about player safety from either side. It's all a sham. Um. Wow. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I definitely think there's some truth to that. I think... I think they do care, but I think if if I think they care more about their bottom line, I think they care more about making money. Exactly, and <laughs> I think I'll they care, but they don't care me. enough to, you know, really make well, any and changes. Here's you know? here's what did it for me: is you give Rob Gronkowski a one game suspension for the egregious actions that he took in that Bills game. You give him the same suspension that you give Juju Smith-Schuster for the crackback block in the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game. Those are different levels. And even in that same Pittsburgh game, this was after Ryan Shazier was taken out on a stretcher. Mm-hmm. And you still want to come out and throw this kind of block right up into a guy's face. And yeah. then stand over him and taunt him. And then complain because you've been suspended. And then you have Rob Gronkowski, who, okay, he was mad. Big freaking deal. You got held a little bit. You're a six foot five, two 260-pound man gearing up after a play was over and throwing your body down into a much smaller corner. Yeah. And then the actions the players continue to take on the field by refusing to try to change the way that they hit and the way that they tackle and the way that they block combined with the fact that the league wants to suspend everybody in the world forever for domestic violence but doesn't want to take these kind of hits and these kind of plays seriously and more seriously than one game when I think Gronkowski should have been suspended for a minimum of four because it was it was basically targeting. They throw you out for that in college. Yeah, that was basically... They throw you out of the game and you get an automatic suspension. Yeah, that was a temper tantrum. Yeah, that was, it was. Like, the Juju Smith-Schuster, like, I I get, because Vontez Perfect is a, is a dickhead, and he yeah. does the same... I mean, he did the same shit to Antonio Brown a couple years ago in the playoff game. I mean, he, he's known for targeting and... and, and yeah, playing dirty. So if I was Juju, I'd be, and I saw that big bastard coming my way, I'd knock the hell out of him too and stand over him and say, "How's it feel?" I understand that's the heat of the game. That's heat of the passion. You know, passion of the game. Um, I understand that. Yeah, it was it was an illegal play. Shouldn't have done it. And yeah, there's probably a one game suspension for Juju. I got it. But Gronk, I get that's that. a temper tantrum. That's beyond the re- that's beyond the realm of a game. That's that's becoming uh, just a, a bitch. That's a bitch move. I mean, it was a bitch move. Uh, no other way to put it. But it goes back to what I was saying. The league, I, th- they, I think the league, the NFLPA and the league, both care about player safety, and they're going to do everything they can within 
uh, how can I put this? They're going to do everything they can they can to protect the players as long as it doesn't hurt their them financially. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like they're not going to suspend Gronk for four games because Gronk gets ratings. Gronk is a superstar player yeah. in this league, whereas Juju Smith Schuster is a rookie, and you know they could they could suspend him for four games and it wouldn't matter, but. I think the suspension was right in the Smith-Schuster case and wrong in the Gronk. I, I agree with you on that. And it's it, it just comes down to – it's like we were talking about uh, in the Pittsburgh game when, when T.J. Watt laid that helmet-to-helmet hit on Brett Hundley. And if that was Tom Brady, T.J. Watt would be in prison right now. But if, since it was Brett yeah. Hundley, who gives a shit? Like, Brett Hundley ain't, draw, yeah. ain't making us money. I mean, I you know what I'm saying? It. Yeah. See, I only sent the middle linebacker after you on that one, Mike. I'm going to send some a little more exotic your way, a little <laughs> little bit of a more hot bliss. All right, bring it. The uh, The Browns have hired John Dorsey as their new GM. John Dorsey is going to save that franchise. I think it's a really good move. I, I, I definitely do. I, I think uh, – who who was he? He was he was with uh, wasn't he with the Chiefs or Chiefs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He built that roster. Yeah, and it, really from the ground up, and hired Andy Reid. Yeah, I mean the dude's dude knows what he's doing. He's good, but I think it goes into something we'll talk about later when we get into the when we get into the the topic of the Browns. Um, I just don't know. I mean, geez, Mike Holmgren couldn't save the Browns. <laughs> you know, he saved us. Mike well, Holmgren came in and saved him and Wolf. They saved the Packers, who were, you know, wallowing in you know obscurity for twenty years before that. And he went to Seattle, did the same thing, revitalized that team. Then went to, I mean, yeah, he went to the Browns as a what was he? A G, he was the GM, you know, not the coach. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't, I don't. At this point, I don't know if there's anything that can save the Browns. But you know, if if there's anybody that can, John Dorsey is is definitely a good good candidate to do so because the dude's good at what he does. Oh yeah. So well, and for the the final one, it's it's third down, Mike. Let's see if you can make this conversion because I'm sending the whole house at you. We're going. Oh, I'm, zero, I'm like even I'm like Aaron Rodgers. I'm juking and jiving away from these defenders, and I'm about to launch it deep down the field. <laughs> Hail Mary on your ass. Jeff Janis. Oh, Jeff Janis is wide I, I open. I hope so. I hope so because, <laughs> oh, God. Well, they're all coming at you now. The NFL has extended Roger Goodell <laughs> through 2024, which puts him in the driver's seat for the next CBA. Not because Roger Goodell has made the league so profitable because ratings are down, but because Roger Goodell owns DeMora Smith, he whipped him in the last CBA, and he's going to do it again. Uh, probably. Uh, I think, I think Goodell deserves it. I think, what is it, 40 million a year? Some ridiculous number like that. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know, the, they say, you know, the numbers in the NFL are down, attendance is down. You can, you, I mean, t- attendance has been on a downward spiral. Well, not a downward spiral, it hasn't been plummeting, but it's been on a downward trajectory, uh, trajectory for, you know, quite a few years now. Um, people are watching TV different. I haven't had cable uh, in forever. People are cutting. That's why Amazon just paid a buttload of money for the streaming service because people people watch yeah. football differently. And you can the biggest key factor, you know, 
that you, you can tell that people are still watching football, just not the way that they traditionally would, is the ratings for Good Morning Football, the NFL Network, Total Access, NFL shows that you can only get on TV, their ratings are up this year. It's just the games yeah. that are down because people are watching. People, a lot, I know a lot of people that just watch the Red Zone channel on Sunday. They don't watch a game specifically. They just subscribe to the Red Zone channel and just watch all the games. You know, So if the Packers aren't playing in my region or there's not a Titans game on, I'll watch the Red Zone. I don't, I don't sit down and watch a game of two teams I don't give a shit about. I'll just watch the Red Zone and see what happens. So I think Goodell has all the leverage in the world to get through and get done with whatever he wants at this point. See, that's the thing is I, I don't know that the owners really wanted to give him the extension just for ratings or monetary purposes, but because Roger Goodell is undefeated in collective bargaining negotiations. Yeah, Jerry Jones definitely uh, didn't want him <laughs> getting an extension, but... Yeah, well, Jerry doesn't always get what Jerry wants. Yeah, and that's... I'm sure Jerry wanted to beat Aaron Rodgers in Jerry World, too, and that didn't happen either. <laughs> Jerry Jones has wanted a Super Bowl uh, in the past two decades, but it hasn't that happened sure either. That sure as hell ain't happened. <laughs> I didn't come close. Um... But yeah, yeah, I like him. But uh, that that does it for hot take blitz, Mike. I, I think you, uh, I think you scored a touchdown there. You did really well with the heat. That's good stuff. Yeah, Ooh, let's try to do that every week. I'll uh, maybe I'll drop one during the show if something just you know farts into my head or something. I'll have a brain fart later, but uh, <laughs> I'll try to have some prepared for next week, and I'll uh, I'm, I'll put you under the pressure. See how you uh, how you handle the blitz, son. Dom Capers taught me about the blitz. Got to farve my way out of it. <laughs> Just roll out, stagger. I'm not worried. Well, <laughs> if, the, if this Dom Capers defense, we're probably not going to get pressure. Unless you're Jameis Winston, then apparently we can sack the hell out of you all day long. Uh, let's get into this Packers-Bucks game. Uh, 26-20, overtime. The Packers run Ooh. their way to the W... And oh, how delicious it was earlier. Mm. Saved it just for the show. Into the end zone and into all of our hearts because we have a running game. Yes, yes, we we have a running game. Like, I think that's that's pretty obvious at this point. Uh, the injury report coming out of this game, uh, do you have it pulled up? I didn't have any... Uh, I didn't have any injury. Uh, I've got the uh, the current injury report going on. We've got a um, Ahmad Brooks as a limited participant with a back injury. Mm-hmm. Kenny Clark has become a full participant, even though he did leave the game for a little bit with the ankle aggravation. Kenny Clark, two sacks, uh, man. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. He is he is just uh, he looks better every week that he's on the field. Oh, yeah. And then Mike Daniels is out there like a force of nature, just throwing himself around at everybody. Uh, see, Quentin Dial did not participate with the chest and knee injury. Dimitri Goodson listed with the hamstring. He was a DNP, but, I mean, that's kind of expected. He's just working his way back. Yeah. One that's a little more concerning to me is Devon House did not practice with a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Perry did not practice listed with a foot and a shoulder and Jake Ryan did not practice listed with a neck and an undisclosed illness. Hmm. Well, Nick Perry will be fine. All he has to do is put a club on that foot. He'll be all right. 
yeah. <laughs> He'll just hop around. And Jake Ryan, suck it up, son. You're a senior. It's, it's time to grow there up. There you go. <laughs> no, but a neck injury, man, that, that's a serious stuff. He, uh, they, That would be a question mark. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they'd put him out there. If, if it's any kind of serious neck injury, which, I mean, any injury to the neck would be serious, you'd think. But, well, especially as a Packer. Yeah, especially as a middle linebacker, too. Where yeah, you know you're 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 in the heat you're in the, uh, the heat of the the fight uh, the through the whole game running backs running at you head down trying to tackle uh, so that one might be that that one might be something to keep an eye on the Devon House definitely especially uh, coming up this week we got Josh Gordon <laughs> coming back I mean yeah dude didn't seem to miss a beat coming out coming into that Chargers no, game no he's he's good yeah, it's a good <laughs> dude yeah, it's a it's a good player. As we, as I said about Joe Mixon, or you said about Joe Mixon, that's a good dude. He's a good dude. <laughs> He's a good dude. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'll never live that one. Oh, no. He's just a. He's a good dude. Man, that Joe Mixon. He's just a good guy. What a what a hell of a fella. Um, oh god. But this uh, Packers Buccaneers game, uh, old NFC Central battle. Our stat lines for last week, uh, not too good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> wasn't too horrible. Jamal Williams, uh, Jamal Williams did me one better. Yeah, Jamal Williams upped your uh, upped your stat line. Uh, I had Brett Hundley going nineteen to thirty four, two hundred seventy seven yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Not quite uh, thirteen to twenty two for eighty four yards and one interception. Uh, and I, I don't think I'll say this. I don't think Brett Hundley. The stats tell the whole story for Brett Hundley. I think he played better in this game than the stats would say. But uh, we'll get into that here in just a second. Devontae Adams, I had seven receptions, 94 yards, and a touchdown, which seemed to be the the bar the past three or four weeks. He always seems to pump out those stats. Uh, not this week, though. Yeah. Four receptions, 42 yards for Devontae Adams, although still impressive. An impressive 42 yards, I might say. Uh, and I had Blake Martinez, 14 total tackles, 10 solo, two for a loss, uh, he had 12, so I was a couple off. Uh, You're pretty close. 12 total tackles, 6 solo, and 0 tackles for a loss. Uh, you can pretty much bank on Martinez having double-digit tackles each week. Um, yeah, these days. Yeah. He's having a better year than Luke Keekley. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think he could be on that level. He could be a top-tier middle linebacker in a couple of years, I think. He's, just, oh, yeah. he's only going to get better. He's only in year two, so. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, my stat lines weren't – I think the Martinez – They weren't god Yeah, the Martinez was the closest I came. Wasn't all that close, but, yeah, I, I'm trying to get back in the groove. I was in La La Land a couple of weeks before that talking about well, Randall and, Cobb and throwing Adams, touchdowns. So. <laughs> Adams goes hand-in-hand hand with uh, Hunley's, Hunley's performance, too, so it's kind yeah. of, you know, one affects the other. Yeah, there. one go, one struggles, the other one kind of goes down with him, so – yeah, yeah, well, uh, your stat lines for last week, Demarius Randall. Um, you had him for two passes, defense, four yeah. tackles, one tackle for a loss, one interception. Uh, he played all right. One pass, defense, two tackles, zero for a loss, and zero interceptions. Uh, not much from Randall in this game. Uh, although it, it is kind of nice to say that it is kind of a rare sight when Randall doesn't come out of a game with at least one interception. So. <laughs> Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty safe stat line, but oh well. I mean, he wasn't really targeted much. Yeah, you think you think maybe quarterbacks are kind of noticing and kind of staying away from Randall now? 
especially with King being out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there may be a little something to that since he's just had a a pick fest the last several weeks. Yeah, I, I just think our defense played really well against Tampa Bay in this game overall. Oh, yeah. So um, then you had Jamal Williams. You had him un- really underachieving <laughs> compared to what he did. Well, I mean, compared to what he had been doing, I had him right at the mark. But he came out and just busted out. Oh, on he's me. rolling. You had him at 22 attempts for 74 yards, one touchdown. You got the touchdown, and you yeah. were one carry off. You had him 22. He had 21. But... but. God, he just went off. <laughs> you undersold him on the yards, 113 yards for Jamal Williams on the ground. And he, you know, if it wasn't for that 20-yarder at the end in overtime for Aaron Jones, he probably would have had more and probably had another touchdown because they weren't stopping Man. him on that drive. <laughs> and and everybody's freaking out over Aaron Jones' touchdown, and they should. It was his one carry, and there was nothing there, and he showed some elite speed to get lateral and get around and get that touchdown. But I find myself, as more of an old-school guy, being extremely impressed with Jamal Williams' one touchdown. Yeah. Because it was just hard. He fought for it. I mean, this guy plays well above his weight. He lists at 212. He hits and he plays like he's 240. Yeah, and I was... I mean, he is just... I knew that Jamal Williams Power. had the strength. We saw that in the first couple of games before this where he could move a pile. He could fight for extra yards. I knew that. His his movement inside the hole. Like, there was one, one of, I think maybe the first drive where he got the ball and just kind of did like a quick oop, 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 like a zigzag and, and kind of <laughs> and yeah. just took off for 10, 15 yards. I was like, man. Well, and – and what what I've noticed with Williams in this game really showed it to me was we saw him for a few carries here and there early in the season, and he just I don't feel like he was just comfortable yet. Yeah, he definitely looked he comfortable. Just, in this you know, game, he was though. getting a little bit here and there, but now he seems comfortable. He seems decisive. He's not dancing around in the backfield. He's hitting the hole. He's picking his spots, and he knows where to go. And dude, when he just shoved that dude off of him. <laughs> basically just kind of punched him out of the way. That was just rude. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. It was just rude. That's what we like, need. Was, we need a rude oh, man. back. I loved it. Yeah. We need a rude and back. This, this could be one hell of a combo going forward between Williams and Jones. Oh, I think it's got it's got a hell of a potential. Um, but touch, oh, yeah. But your last stat line, you had Mike Evans really going off in this game. Seven receptions, 110 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Not quite. Uh, the defense really pulled through on that one. They really were able to to hold Mike Evans in check. Um, they held Deshaun Jackson in check. Yeah. I was looking at the stats, and, I, you know, J- Jameis Winston, I mean, Mike Evans had two receptions for 33 yards. And Jameis Winston, I think he had like 220-something yards, something like that, passing. It's, uh, he went 21 or 32 for 270. 270. Where did those yards – who was he throwing to? I don't even remember. He hit one, two, three. Because he didn't – he he wouldn't he hit, get it from Evans. He hit ten different receivers is what it was. God. 
Evans yeah. and Jackson, they That's shut. where it all came from. Yeah, this defense shut them down. Evans and Jackson combined for four receptions, 57 yards, and zero touchdowns. This is a secondary without Kevin King, too, I might add. Yeah, and, and granted, I mean, the secondary also was part of what caused Jameis to hold on to the ball so long and allowed the, the pressure to get home. What killed him was the big tight end, Bright. He had two receptions for 39 yards, and both of those were for touchdowns. Yeah, I was really surprised that – because Cameron Bright hadn't done jack shit all year. Um, and the Packers actually going into this game were number one in the league versus tight ends. So yeah. I, I didn't I, I I didn't even consider Cameron Bright being a threat in this game, but like you said, two receptions, thirty nine yards, two touchdowns. He was pretty much the if the Bucks would have won that game, it would have been because of him, basically. Jameis Winston and Cameron Bright. Yeah. So I was really surprised about that. What why do you think that was? What what was what was Bright? Was he just well, on, on both of his receptions he was not being covered by Morgan Burnett? Mm, that'll do it. <laughs> I think it was actually Jermaine Whitehead had the coverage on him on both passes that he caught, and it was not Josh Jones, HaHa Clinton Dix, or Morgan Burnett that had the coverage. Mm. So, I mean, because that's where our tight end coverage comes yeah. from. Those three guys, and they even even Josh Jones has shown some talent to cover tight ends with his size and speed. So. Well, I mean that that's that's going to be a key thing to watch going yeah, forward. Yeah, I think that's that's a big tell right there. Uh, you know, the, like I said, the Packers are number one in the league versus tight ends all year long. They don't give the tight ends aren't a problem for the Packers because you got a guy like Morgan Burnett covering him, or you got a guy like Josh Jones covering him, or you got a guy like Ha Ha Clinton Dix covering him. Jermaine Whitehead was this his first action in a game this year? No, no, no. I think he actually debuted in the Pittsburgh game. I I didn't notice, which I guess is good. You know, they they weren't. Yeah, I mean, on you don't like really want to game. notice him because he's a little more you know down the line because we lost Bryce for the season. Yeah. you know, weeks ago. So I don't know. Uh, it was it was surprising to me that Braid had the success that he did uh, against our defense. But uh, touching on the Packers and the reason this game excites me, and I think it was part of it is the carryover from the Pittsburgh game is this is probably the one game that the Packers prove that they can win without quality quarterback play. This is the first time I've seen it. Yeah. Because... Well, I mean... I I was just going to say, I was impressed that Mike McCarthy finally reached into the bag and ran the read option. uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and Hundley looked good doing that. And, you know, I I touched on it just a second ago on on stat lines. Um, But if you look at Hundley's numbers... Uh, 13 to 22, 84 yards, one interception. Uh, he did have seven carries for 66 yards on the ground. Um, his numbers don't, they don't pop out at you, but I think he played better than what the stick is. I think what, what McCarthy, here's my theory. I think what McCarthy is doing right now with, with Hunley in at quarterback, I think he's saying, look, if we get the lead, I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to do safe passes. I'm just not going to create. So when the Packers got the lead, because if you remember that first drive of the game, Hundley was sharp. This offense was clicking. They were just dinking, going down the field. It was, you know, it, it looked like an Aaron Rodgers-led drive. 
time-consuming, yeah. uh, precise passes. Uh, you had Devontae Adams juking people out of their shoes. Um, it was a good drive. They got the field goal, and then as the game wore on, we got the uh, the blocked punt from Kyler Fackrell, which led to the Jamal Williams one-yard touchdown in the second quarter. That gave us the lead, and then once Dean Lowry got that fumble recovery and returned it for a touchdown. We were up by 10. We had the lead pretty much throughout the rest of the game. And I think what McCarthy's saying is, look, if we have a lead, I'm not going to call any plays. I'm not going to do anything that's going to put Hundley in a bad situation or a situation to to lose this game for us. So he kind of took his foot off the pedal. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, and you got a thing, too, where – I almost feel like it's it's inevitable. Aaron Rodgers is coming back after this week. It's going to happen. So I think McCarthy may be a little more willing to put Hundley out there on the run. Because at first, you know, they didn't want to do that. You don't want to risk his injury, too. Why not? You but, got smoking Joe. Well, I mean, that's how <laughs> we feel about it. But obviously, that's not how the team feels about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, now you're you're nearing crunch time. You're nearing the, the point of return for Rodgers. So, I think he feels like he can be a little more risky on that side of it in giving Hunley the option. Because Hunley's good at it. Yeah. He did it a lot in college. And he's, he's a big guy. He's fast. And, I mean, you know, he's not... He's not Steve Young or Michael Vick or Cam Newton or anybody, but he does have decent speed, and he's shown a pretty good knack for when to hand the ball off and when to keep it. He knows how to read the end. Yeah, he did a lot of that in college. So yeah. I mean, it's 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 it, he's used to doing it, and like you said, he can run. He's not Tom Brady. You know, he's not. He doesn't have to stand there. And yeah, I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> it's not like he. You know, Peyton Manning looked like a baby giraffe trying to run I think is what <laughs> Jeff Saturday said uh, and that's being nice once. I yeah. think a baby giraffe could probably could smoke Peyton Manning in a, in a foot race but I mean it's like you watch Tom Brady run this dude looks like he's running in sand <laughs> he always I've looked never like seen anyone look slower yeah even going back to like when he was young in the combine when he was running his 40 it looked like oh god it looked like it was in slow motion it looked like it looked like me running a 40 it was just like oh oh I can't hardly yeah move. But, but I mean, and that's not Hunley, but this mm-hmm. is where I think, you know, going into the Cleveland game, this is something we could see quite a bit more of. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, you talk about Cleveland being a desperate team. They haven't won a game yet. Uh, they'll pull out all the stops. They have nothing to lose. I think we're at the same spot. If we lose to Cleveland, our playoff hopes are done. There's no point in bringing Aaron Rodgers back. Uh, yeah. And this team knows it. They're, I think the Packers are going to come out and pull out all the stops and, and not hold anything back in this game either. They're not. They're not going to just play it safe and hope that everything goes well. I think they're. I think they'll. They'll. You know, unleash it. I think they knew once they got a ten point lead against Tampa Bay, that's when we just kind of play safe because our defense is is playing really well, which we'll get to in a second, and we're running the football. So we don't need Brett Hundley to go out there and win this game for us. And then they didn't ask him to. The Packers, as as a team, rushed 29 times for 199 yards, two touchdowns, almost 200 yards on the ground in this game. Yeah, so, that's huge. Yeah, so you didn't need Hundley to go out there and, and play out of his ass like like he did against Pittsburgh. So I don't think he played that bad in this game. I mean, the One of the biggest takeaways in this game for me, because there are a lot of positives, but it it's still a big negative for me, even going back to our last show we talked about it. 
third down efficiency for this defense is still a problem. The Bucks were able to complete 56% of their third downs, which was a huge part of them killing time of possession because they had the ball for 37 minutes and 17 seconds. We had it for 26-44. Any other game, you would look at that time of possession and you would be sure the team with the ball for 37 minutes won the game. Which makes this win more impressive because we found a way to win yeah. with them having the ball for 10 more minutes than we did. But any other team, that's not going to work. So I mean, they've got to find a way to get off the field on third downs because on first and second down, this defense is playing well. They're stopping the run. They're stopping <laughs> short passes. But even in third and long situations, they're still having trouble getting off the field. If they can correct that somehow, look out. Well, the pass rush returned in this game, and that'll help if we can keep that going. Clay Math, seven total sacks in this game, which is, I think, seven is more than we've had in the past five games combined or some ridiculous, you know, stuff like that. I mean, they were one sack away from breaking the franchise record. Yeah, so... For sacks in a game. So that was big time. Clay Matthews, two and a half sacks for Clay Matthews, two for Kenny Clark, one for uh, Jake Ryan and Dean Lowry, and then a half sack for Mike Daniels. Uh, Yeah. These guys were, I mean, they were all over the place in this game. They probably could have had a couple more. If it, uh, Jameis, you know, just got it out of his hand just at the at the last minute, he was going down as he threw it out of bounds or something like that. Because Mike Daniels had one where he was chasing down, uh, yeah, where he was chasing down Jameis Winston. It looked like he almost broke his ankle. Did Mike Daniels on that one? But, but yeah, is this a was this just a, a product of the Packers playing against a, a bad offensive line, or is are they is it really coming together? I think it's. I think it's a combination. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. But I think I, I, I mean, I'll just the gotta, Bucks were starting some backups. Yeah, but I I I just I love our the, the front three there with Clark Daniels, Dean Lowry, Quentin Dial. I mean, I think our front is great. We struggled against the run though. We gave up 165 yards on the ground on 35 attempts. That's like very uncharacteristic against a, a running yeah. back. That's you know we. That isn't Ezekiel Elliott or something, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean that that was very uncharacteristic, and I, I kind of I kind of look at that more like it's um, an anomaly than the rule because we have been pretty stout against the run mm-hmm. most of the year, so I'm I'm not that concerned with that. I just I feel like it was just kind of a an outlier more than part of the trend. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, it, I don't know. It didn't seem like because the thing is, when you look at yards you gave up on the ground to a team, were they able to control the flow of the game with that ground game? Yeah, you got 165 yards, but it didn't feel like Tampa Bay controlled the t- the game because they were down the whole time, and it was just like they would break off a run here or there. It you know, there's a difference between. 165 yards in the fourth quarter, you know, half of those yards coming in the fourth quarter versus, you know, just uh, two or three big chunk plays of 30 or 40 yards or something, you know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah. 
So, and I don't think there's going to be, I don't think our defense will, would allow that to happen. Even if we were down uh, at the game and the team was just trying to run it down our throats in the fourth quarter, I think our front is good enough to stop that. But at the same time, you know, you're, you get caught off guard chasing down a quarterback and running back slips on, on a draw, slips out of the best, you know, slips through the, through the line and, you know, he's off to the races, whatever. Um, so I'm not as worried about it. Uh, I mean, I like you, but I'm like you. I, I never really felt like they were controlling the game yeah. with their running game. They busted off some big ones here and there. It, it's more of what happened than they they had a few long runs, which is more the story for me than it was. No, nah, we're just going to run it down your throat all game, and we're going to take all the time we need, and we're going to control the tempo of this game. I felt like we did that much more with Jamal Williams than the Bucks yeah. were able to. Yeah, I felt that's exactly. I felt like we did more of that than Tampa Bay did because it was like, well, we got the lead and we're just going to run Jamal Williams. And, you know, especially in the fourth quarter when we were down and it was like, well, what are we going to do? Well, Jamal Williams is hot. Let's just hand him the ball. And the Bucks we're just going to keep giving it to Jamal Williams. Yeah, and the Bucks could not stop our run game. You know, I mean, <laughs> so. he just. Can you just imagine when Aaron Rodgers comes back that teams are going to have to game plan for Rodgers, but also a run game they're actually going to have to respect? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. I think Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones can be a running back duo of the future for the Packers because they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're good, but they're good at different things. It's... It's like Williams is like an all-down back, but Aaron Jones could be an all-down back too. But he could he can break off the big ones, um, and you know it's 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 going to make What's teams. Like it's definitely going to make teams respect the run because as you know as good as Ty Montgomery could be in spurts, you know every team was like, look, they got a, they got a wide receiver playing running back. You know, yeah. how how much do we got to really worry about it? But, but Aaron can, Jones has elite speed and elite explosiveness. Jamal Williams runs with such power that he's just coming at you and he's going to wear you down. Yeah. I don't even know if I would call it power as much as I would just like violent. It just it's more violent running. You know, he's not well, I mean he's not afraid of contact and like when I think of power going, I think of like a the... bulldozer type of running back whereas he's more of like a if you got me I'm going to fight my way out of your tackle and yeah. continue forward, you know what I'm saying? Well, he he has a knack for falling forward. <laughs> mhm. Which is what the top running backs do. They fall forward somehow every time. That's what killed us with Le'Veon Bell in the Pittsburgh game. Whether he's hit or not, he he's falling forward somehow. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I think we found something definitely special there, especially if we get Aaron Rodgers back. Yeah. That's going to add a whole new dimension, and it's going to be tough to stop. Especially if, if you know if this isn't just a mirage and Williams can keep this going, because I, I, like I said, the first couple of games it was like okay, yeah, the guy can can muscle twenty five carries for eighty yards, you know. But this game, he just looked like he had swagger out the ass. And this game, oh, yeah, like he was just like, ain't I mean, nobody bringing me down. I got this. You know, you got a guy like this who's coming at you for 21 carries in the game, mm-hmm. not trying to run around you, not trying to run away from you, but he's coming at you and just literally shoving you out of the way. Mm-hmm. 
and then you know you get down here on the one and you hit him two yards deep at the three and he goes ahead and just carries you to the end zone with him <laughs> yeah it's demoralizing yeah that's what we've been missing that's what we've been missing for a while you know James Starks was he was a good power runner but he was more of a you know a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he's more of a slasher. Yeah, exactly. Like a slasher. Slasher running back, exactly. And really had... I mean, you had... When Lacey was at the top of his game, and he was in good shape, and he was really running hard in, you know, like 2013, 2014, that's the type but of s- game that we had there. But, but even Lacey Williams- is a different runner than Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, whereas Lacey, like, like I was saying, Lacey was more of the power back. Where he's he was a guy big. that he would just move a pile. He would just yeah. move. Whereas Jamal Williams won't just move a pile. He'll fight out of tackles and, and keep going. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he may spring out of that pile and get a few more yards. Yeah, and punch you in the mouth while he's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Aaron Jones who, oh, you've just sent the whole defense at the middle of the line and I have nowhere to go. I'll just go around you. <laughs> What's the uh? There's a, there's a, a Pussifer song. Manor James Keenan from Tool, his side project, Pussifer, and the, and the lyric is "Find a way through, around or over." And that's Aaron Jones. Yeah. He'll find a way through, whether it's around or over the pile. He'll find a way. That's just. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just. I, mean, I just. It's that touchdown. He just really showed elite speed to get around the edge and to get around that whole pile and get to the end zone. You yeah. see guys do that all the time in college. You don't see that all the time in the NFL. That's elite speed and elite explosiveness. Yeah. So, I can sit here I mean, and talk I about these running backs is, all day, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just what happens when you have two running backs in your backfield that are the all-time leading rushers from their respective universities. Yeah. And Jamal Williams, who was a fourth-round pick, and Aaron Jones, who was a sixth-round pick. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about running backs. You can find them at any – like, look at Kareem Hunt was, you know, he wasn't a high draft pick. I mean, that's that's why run, you never know what to what to expect. And almost in this day and age, you got to kind of, you know, every four or five years pick up a new running back. Oh, yeah. You, you know, they just wear down. And it pretty much if, – if I don't know, you don't need an Ezekiel Elliott or a Leonard Fournette, you know. That's why I don't think anybody game. needs to be worried about who's the number one running back on this team. Yeah. It's a tandem. Yeah. I mean, if if, if one isn't getting the job done, you got you got a backup, <laughs> you know, that can do what the other one can't. So it's it's well, it's going to be interesting going forward. Go, you you know. still got the ripper. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a power runner. That's a guy who will just yeah. push forward. He's just he's just going forward, and if you're in his way, get up to get a you just get the hell out of the way, or you're gonna get hurt. Like that's him. Jamal Williams is I'm going this way. If I have to punch you in the mouth, or break your arms, or stiff arm you, stiff arm you to the ground, whatever I gotta do, I, I'm going forward. Uh, so yeah, it's exciting to have a running game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, uh, we'll you ready on. to put put a bow on this game, Mike, and do a little first word, final word. Yeah, one one other thing I wanted to touch on this on real quick. Uh, we don't talk about special teams too much, uh, but I thought Trevor Davis. We saw some good and some bad from Trevor Davis. Uh, yeah, thirty 
30.4 yards per return, long of 33 in this game. So uh, I thought he did some good things, but uh, that punt, I guess it was at the, the uh, what was it? I guess it was at the end of the game when we drove down and got the field goal to tie it. And they punted it to Trevor Davis, and he just kind of, it was like he had room, but then he stopped and kind of went backwards for a second. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, it is what it is. He, but I thought we saw some still. good from Trevor Davis, though. Yeah. Um, and, I just you know, Vogel continues try. to be very consistent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, the block punt from Kyler Fackrell, which you touched on yeah. earlier. But another shout-out I still out don't to believe that's really Kyler Fackrell. Something happened. He's been <laughs> replaced. <laughs> Maybe Aaron Rodgers is – Yeah, I know he was on the sideline, so he can't be or playing was defense. He? Maybe that was really that comedian that looks like Aaron Rodgers. Ooh, that's a good point. And Aaron Rodgers has been playing as Kyler Fackrell. And Kyler Fackrell is floating in a river somewhere. God only knows. (laughs) All right, let's put a bow on this one. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's do it as we do every week. Putting a bow on this one with this week's first word. And Ty, I'll give you uh, my first word first. First right. word first. Uh, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a broad topic, but I want the first word that pops into your head when I say the Packers versus the Bucks rivalry. Classic. Classic. That's that's the first thing that comes to me there. It's a classic NFC Central type of a, you know, hit you in the mouth game. It it always tends to be. Yeah, uh the word that comes to my mind when I thought of that was uh, unpredictable. Yeah, because you yeah, just don't know. One. Like I'll I'll go out. You want here's a hot take. You want a hot take? Yeah, I got you yeah, a hot take. Me. If Aaron Rodgers was playing in this game, we would have probably lost. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's oh. that's how unpredictable these games are. If Aaron Rodgers was playing quarterback instead of Brett Hundley, we would have probably lost this game. I believe. Ooh, I that. took the sack on that one. Oh, <laughs> that that one came out of nowhere. Hit me on the blind side. I told you my brain would fart something out eventually. <laughs> I didn't even know how to react. Yeah, I jamised it. <laughs> Dean Lowry is currently running into the end zone right now. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, I like it. Classic. It definitely is a classic. It's one of those. So it's, it's it's kind of a, a fading loss yeah. classic. Just you know? a uh, uh, the old callback to the old black and blue division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Always fun memories playing against the. Packers going against the Bucks, uh, but I'm ready. Hit me with yours. I'm gonna close Mine's my eyes, a, lean back. It's it a little come. more of a of a narrowed down topic than just the old Packers Bucks rivalry. But I want to get your first word on Jamal Williams. Violent. I love it, and that just comes to mind because we just talked about it, and that's that's yeah. de- describes his running. But man, the dude just runs violent. They used to say that about Adrian Peterson, where Adrian he just Peterson runs angry. Yeah, he's just a violent runner. He's an angry runner, uh, and this game, he just he was just violent, stiff arming dudes, just fighting for those extra yards. That touchdown was no, I'm getting in. Like, <laughs> you see, yeah, if, I mean, if he can build on that and he can just be that kind of runner week in, week out, the dude's going to be a superstar. Oh, yeah. That put together with Aaron Jones is going to make this backfield one of the most feared backfields in the league. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, like I said, we've already seen what Aaron Jones can do. He can be a lead back. When he was in there, he was running for 150 yards a game or whatever the hell it was, and 
So, but for me, Jamal Williams, after after seeing him in this game, dude's just dude's just violent. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> or vicious, maybe maybe vicious, maybe that's different. He's he's a vicious runner. I don't know. I mean, you we get the you point. think of a violent runner, you you start to get these visions of Jim Taylor, just yeah, barreling into people. And I'm never you know going to sit here and say Jamal Williams is the second coming or anything like that. That's too much pressure to put on a person. But it's the same style. I, I'm going to hit you. You're well, not going to hit me. Well, he's got the number. Could be uh, Amon, uh, Amon Green. Yeah. So uh, he can be the name. Who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll who see. knows? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, it's out there. We'll see. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a quick fake sponsor break, and when we come back, we're going to get into a discussion about the Cleveland Browns and the Packers playing the Browns um, this Sunday. Packers need to win this game so Aaron Rodgers can come back after this week and play some meaningful playoff-style football for the Packers. Can the Packers do it? Will the Packers slip up and come come up short? Will the Browns get their first win over the Packers? Uh, it's a tough thing to think about. It would be a really tough pill to swallow, not only for us as fans, but for the organization too, I think. Um, there's a lot to discuss about this game, believe it or not. And uh, we'll do that when we come back. Plus, stat lines, as always, every week. Um, but, for right now, here's a word from our fake sponsor. Hey, honey, should we sell our old car trade it in on the new one? Why don't you donate it to Rawhide? Donors get a full tax deduction for cars, trucks, boats, or campers. Plus, the boys' ranch gets needed income when they're sold. To get a map of over 200 collection sites across Wisconsin, just call this toll-free number, 1-800-221-AUTO. Bart Starr's in our medicine cabinet. Wow, I heard he moved. Mr. Butkiss, contemplating buying the all-new Cutlass Supreme? But of course, Mr. Nitschke, outside simply stunning. And inside, Trey Chic. Front-wheel drive for exquisite handling. And Motor Trend made it their winner in styling and design. Drive the all-new Cutlass Supreme at your old's reliables. It's the car created for a person with taste. That leaves you out, Butkus. Mr. Butkus. Should the oceans rise? Should the sky come falling down? Should the islands tremble beneath us? See our better nature blossom. i 
Alright folks, we are back here on Blue Cheese Radio, and uh, we are set to talk about Packers and the Browns. Man, that W really gave me some gas earlier, I gotta tell you. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, man. I'm I'm stinking it up over here. I was talking about brain farts earlier. I literally got some 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 ass farts going on in that W. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's your lowbrow humor for the week. This has been a '90s Nick tune. You're welcome, blue cheese heads. It's like a Rocco's <laughs> Rocco's Modern Life in here. Um. <clears throat> Okay, back on topic. Packers and the Browns. Uh, Packers travel to Cleveland to play the Browns. Um, the Packers win this game. Aaron Rodgers comes back against Carolina the next week, and then who knows what happens from there. But we got to beat the Browns first. And, yes, everybody that has played the Browns so far this season has accomplished that. Can we do the same? It makes me nervous. <laughs> it would be yeah, a... I mean, it does, because this is a team that's playing with nothing to lose. We're a team playing with everything to lose. Yeah. It's it, it's going to be some nasty conditions, cold and just kind of bleh there in Cleveland. I mean, that's just kind of what the city is. It's not quite Detroit, but it's not New York either. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the dog pound. You know, that's... Yeah, you know, that's the thing about the the Cleveland Brown Stadium. It's usually always half full, but that lower bowl, man, they, they and especially in the end zone, they're vicious. Yeah, they still got their the rabid fans. I mean, Browns fans are, are, believe me, I got nothing against Browns fans. If you are a Browns fan, a proud card carrying Browns fan at this point in your life, with what they've done over the past two decades, you sir are a fan. You sir yes, are a you true are. fan. And I got nothing bad to say about you. If you show up to Browns games on a weekly basis and and cheer as hard as, as Packers fans do, then you know you you sir are the champion. You know what you you are the exact fan that Bart Starr talked about in his <clears throat> famous quote about it taking real courage to cheer for a team and support your team when they're down and when they're not winning. Anybody can cheer a team when they're winning. Yeah. But it takes real heart and real courage to cheer for a team when they're down. And you, sir, are a real fan with real heart and real courage. Yeah, you the real MVP. <laughs> there the you Browns. go. There you go. Um, but let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, before we get any numbers and really break down this game on any level, I just want to talk about the Browns. It's an interesting topic. They're, they're an interesting franchise. They're an interesting... They're just interesting to talk about because you look at... They have a lot of rich history. Yeah, man. I mean, geez. The Browns are... are you go back to like the, the 40s and 50s. They were a dominant team back then. Well, you got Otto Graham. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul Brown, a real offensive innovator as a coach and an owner. And then, you know, you get into the 50s and into the 60s. You got Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of history. The, this team has NFL championships. They don't have any Super Bowls, you know, not in the Super Bowl era, but they do have championships in their history. And a lot of people forget that or they just don't know that. Yeah, and some would say they should have a Super Bowl win in there, especially in the in the mid 80s, some of those teams with uh Yeah. You, you know, uh oh, what's his face quarterback? You mentioned him earlier. Uh Bernie Kosar. Bernie Kosar. Uh, those yeah. teams, those teams were good. You know, you, the drive, 
with Elway against the against the Broncos. Yeah. You had the uh, the fumble at the one yard line uh, in that game. So you know the Browns have they have a history and there's something to be proud of there. But it seems like ever since the Browns left Cleveland, were gone for a couple of years and then came back. It's just been it's been disastrous. They just ever haven't. Since. They've they've suffered from what a lot of expansion teams suffer from. They've just never really been able to build a solid base to stand on, basically being an expansion team. And, I mean, we've seen it with the Texans for a lot of their history. We've seen it with the Jags for a lot of their history. But, and, but and it's a quarterback different. makes a lot of the difference. But it's so different with the Browns, though. It's I mean, it is. It's but. different because, yeah, they technically they are an expansion team, but they're it was it's weird they're an expansion team with a storied history and a storied name. Yeah, even though the Ravens are technically they own that history, I guess technically they they're do. Technically the Browns, yeah, but they're not. And see, that's the weird thing so. because technically the Browns did come back in what was it ninety nine was their first year uh, back. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, somewhere around there. They came back as an expansion team, but they had all this history and all of these expectations. They're still the Browns. Yeah, all these expectations that that still came with that. Whereas like a team like Houston, uh, when they had the expansion team, there was no connection to the Oilers. It's not like they came back as the Oilers. They were the Texans. They were a new thing. I mean... Yeah, they were Texans, and they weren't, you know, the old, no connection to the old Dallas Texans of the AFL, anything like that. They were a unique entity, just like Jacksonville. They were the Jaguars. Yeah, but even... That's all there was to it. Yeah, but even, you know, expansion teams like Jacksonville or Carolina, the Panthers, even early in their, even in their run early, they had success. They had success. Yeah, but the Browns, you know, you go from the Tim Couch era... Which was a disaster, as you know. Being from Kentucky, you know, we like to we like to say it was yeah. it wasn't his fault, but at the same time, I mean, he's just he's one in a long line of quarterbacks that have been thrown right into the fire, and it just hasn't worked. Well, let me ask you this: we've already talked about John Dorsey coming in as the new GM of the Cleveland Browns, which we think we both agree is is a, a really good move on their part. Yeah. Uh, Best move they made in a long time. Yeah, even though he's only won one game in two years as a head coach, they've they've already come out and said they're gonna they're they're gonna stick with Hugh Jackson. Which I think that's another smart move. I do too. I think that's a really smart move for this team, especially since over their entire history since since coming back in ninety nine They've been that team that will hire a coach. They'll be the coach for two or three years, and then when we're we don't make the playoffs or any, you know, this look. I understand if you are like New York, New York Giants just fired Ben McAdoo. I understand that because the Giants have had success recently. There is a standard that you have to live up to. The Giants are a well-run organization. They have a talent. It, they have a winning culture. You know what I'm saying? They've won two Super Bowls in the past yeah. decade. There's a winning culture there. The Cleveland Browns, the Browns have been stomped on and shit on so much. They, they, they just, they're, 
they're just beaten down. They are the redheaded stepchild of the NFL. You can't expect. I don't give a damn if Bill Belichick. I mean, he was the coach of the Browns for a while, and they got rid of him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't care. He he sucked. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if Belichick comes in and, and becomes a coach of this team right now. There's a lot of work to do, and not just you know drafting players and and signing free agents and all that stuff. Because you look at this Browns team; they got they got players, they got talent, they got oh, defense. They Their offensive line is is really good. You've had you've had a left tackle in Joe Thomas, who arguably is one of the greatest offensive tackles in NFL history. You've he had- may be the greatest left tackle in the history of the league. I mean, that 10,000 snap streak? Yeah. Good God, man. Dude never gets a holding call, never gives up. Say- the- There's an argument to be made. You've been able to do nothing with they've had. They've had talent. Yeah, you look at their drafts over the past five or six years, you know, there's a lot of misses, but I, I got to think – how much of it is that they just missed on talent? They're just picking all these bad players just because, or are they picking good players and bringing them into a toxic situation, and they're ruining players? You know what I'm saying? Well, and that's the thing that I think Dorsey is going to help to change, because, like you said, they're sticking with Hugh Jackson. They're bringing in Dorsey. Dorsey is a is an amazing talent evaluator. They may not look at right now because they've kind of you know been on a skid the past several weeks, but the Chiefs have an incredibly talented roster. Oh yeah, and, you know, and Dorsey's a former Packers exec- executive. You know, he was someone that we had some hopes for and maybe replacing Ted Thompson, but he's in Cleveland now, so I don't think that's going to happen. But you've got a good GM. You've got a really good GM who's built his career on being a good GM. Mm-hmm. So you've got that in place. You're retaining your head coach beyond year two. That's another step in the right direction. I think this team needs to commit to John Dorsey. They need to commit to Hugh Jackson for, I think, at least five years. Oh, absolutely. This team needs a five-year plan. At least a five-year plan and say, look, as – if I were the Browns at this point, we won one game last year. My goal this year would have been to win two games. Yeah. And then next year, my goal would have been four games. It's it's what's been happening at, you know, like you just talked about us being from Kentucky. This is what's been happening at Kentucky since they hired Mark Stoops. They won two games his first year. They won two games his second year. Then they won five. Then they won seven, and now they've won seven again. We're going to a bowl game in back-to-back years. You have to commit to something yeah, and allow it to be built. And that's the route the Browns need to take. They need to commit and allow John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson to build something. Yeah, because Hugh Jackson is a good coach. I mean, he, he really was, is. He was the most, probably the most sought-after coach in that coaching search that year. And well, and and you know, it was a really big integrity move on him this year. Something I saw was he did not hire an offensive coordinator because he had his suspicions that the offense would be as bad as it has been, and he didn't want that falling on anyone else but himself. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a he's a he's a smart offensive minded coach, I and mean, we've seen it. Yeah. Everywhere he's been, he's been a hell of an office coordinator. And, of course, there's, there is the argument to be made that, yes, yeah, some guys are just meant to be coordinators and some guys are head coaches. 
we don't know. The, I think the jury's still out on Hugh Jackson on that. He may be. He may. He might be. Yeah. He might be just a really damn good offensive coordinator. He may not be a great head coach. We don't know. But if you're the Cleveland Browns, you can't just say, "Well, he's only won one game in two seasons." Like we got it. We got it. We got to go somewhere else. No, you are the Cleveland fucking Browns. Like you, you can't expect any coach to come in and just change it overnight. Okay, it's no. just not going to happen. What you have to do is you got to say, look, because what they've they've just done the same thing over and over again. I can, how many coaches have they had that Mike uh, Mangini? They've had Manuski. All of the Manginius. Yeah, they, they just bring in guys, and in two or three years, when it when things don't flip overnight, it's like, well, we're, let's go somewhere else. We we got to go a different direction. And then and you look at players, and the players just say, well, why why should I listen to this coach? Oh, there'll be a new one next year. Like you just. But I mean, at least if if the front office. And ownership shows commitment, and I I think they're showing something to the players by bringing in John Dorsey, uh-huh. because he's got a proven track record, and the fact that they're keeping Hugh Jackson, I think from their part shows commitment to this process and shows more commitment to, you know, it, it says that we're in this for the long haul. We're going to try to do something here. Instead of just turning somebody over left and right and saying, ah, we'll try this guy. No, never mind, we'll try this guy. Yeah. First and foremost, they need a quarterback. I think they'll. That's one of their goals going into the draft this year. Well, they got a they got a good crop of them coming out this year. Yeah, they're gonna have their pick of some good quarterbacks. Um, But they're gonna have to stick with developing that quarterback too. Yeah, and you know that brings questions. To, you wonder what they're doing right now because you know at the, earlier in the they, they got Kaiser in the second round. They play him, they bench him, they play him, they bench him. They bring in Hogan, they bring in Cody Kessler, and then it's just like it's a constant carousel. And then there was talks at the trade deadline that they were trying to trade for uh, AJ McCarron from the Bengals. That didn't work out because of the front office. Yeah. That is, I mean, because the trade was done. The deal was done. And then the front office was busy celebrating their trade so much, though, that they missed the deadline to file the paperwork on their end. And, in effect, pissed off everybody in Cincinnati. <laughs> it's so Browns. That's such a Browns move. That's why you go out and you hire John Dorsey. Yeah. Uh... Like, uh, you know, we talked about Mike Holmgren not being able to save this team. I don't know if his head was completely in it at that point. I think he was, you know, at the point in his career where he was like, I'm ready to go home. I'm kind of tired of this. Yeah. Maybe that was part of the case. But, uh, you know, we talked about the talent level on this team right now. Josh Gordon. They draft uh, a freak tight end, David Njoku. They got a really good offensive line. Kevin Zietler. They signed him in free agency. They J.C. Treader. Uh, from the Packers, yeah, they signed. They draft him. another freak in Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers, Miles Garrett. They got. Uh, you mentioned Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton, one of the best uh, nose tackles in the game. Jamie Collins, a former Pro Bowl player from the Patriots. Uh, yeah, they got players. They got talent. They can't put it together though, and it brings up the question. You know, 
Is it the culture of the Cleveland Browns? I think in part, yeah. Or is it because the... I mean, you look at their you look at their rankings. At least on defense, they're tenth overall in yards allowed per game. They're right in the middle of the pack at seventeenth overall in pass yards. They're sixth in rushing yards allowed per game. Yeah, the defense. The defense. Look, the talent level in defense is they're they're playing well. The, you know, you, let me uh, bring it up here. Da, 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 da. Uh, they hold teams to to very few yards. Uh, you know, they play teams tight. They play teams close. It makes you wonder, though, is it the culture or the coaching? Because Hugh Jackson, the offense has been the issue. And yeah, you're playing a rookie quarterback and and all that stuff. But you know, they got good running backs. Duke Johnson is a hell of a, a running back. Yeah, Isaiah Crowell yeah. is a hell of a running back. They kind of got they they, they mirror uh, kind of our situation right now with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones with what they have in Isaiah Crowell and, and uh, Duke Johnson. Uh, very similar there. They kind of got what we got right now, and it just doesn't seem to be coming together. They just can't seem to win, and winning is a winning is a cultural thing. You look at who were all the hot teams coming in this year who were going to make big playoff runs and take that next big step. The teams that are always the hot teams coming in. Yeah, you had the Raiders. They were going to be Super Bowl contenders. Uh, The Packers, the Raiders, the Patriots, the Steelers. I'm talking about like the up-and-coming teams, the hot teams, the the, – Oh, the Raiders, uh, the Titans, the the Texans, the Bucks. um, Yeah, I mean, you know, your your teams that are up-and-comers. Yeah. How many of those teams have done jack shit this year? Oakland has looked terrible at times. Tampa Bay looks terrible. They all took a step back. I'm, Houston just got destroyed with injuries. Yeah. Which Houston, like, Houston was, they were kind of that team, though, with, like, a, they've been good for a while. They have just haven't had that quarterback, and I think they finally found that quarterback. I'm talking about the teams that, yeah. were, that were dog shit, like, two or three years ago and have kind of worked their way up, and they're taking their each season is, is a step. You know, outside of, outside of the Titans, they've all disappointed. The Titans. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's a culture of winning. You can bring in all the good players you want. You can bring in the coaches you want. Like, you can do all this stuff, but at some point, you just gotta, you gotta learn how to win games. Well, that's that's where I feel like bringing in John Dorsey and keeping Hugh Jackson is a step in the right direction towards trying to change that culture. I don't know how you do it <laughs> with the Browns at this it's, point. It's it's hard, man. I mean, because you know, and I know that nobody will ever come out and say this, but you know that when you when you're a rookie and on draft day you get drafted by the Browns, you know there's a part of you inside that dies. <laughs> you know it. You know that when the Browns took Miles Garrett number one overall, I mean, I, there was even controversy about it beforehand where Miles Garrett, there was that talk that maybe, you know, he would opt out or whatever. He didn't want to play for the Browns or whatever. But they would never say it, and yeah, it's it's great to be like playing. Like he would Indiana. hold out to try to get to Dallas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh... You know they would never say it, and yeah, it's great to play in the NFL, and yeah, you're getting paid. But you know there's a yeah. part inside of you that says, God damn, I'm never going to win. <laughs> I have no shot well, at winning I mean, a championship. Sure. You know that's in I all just, their heads. I think that's, that's where it comes down to the GM and the coach having to work together and show that commitment and, and get these guys on board with what they want to do. you got to get them to buy into your plan. 
Yeah, I mean that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, when you look at the Packers before Vince Lombardi, they hadn't won since Curly Lambeau was there, you know, in over twenty years, and it was just a matter of at the point before Lombardi got there, and the players even say it. You, you know, Babe Perilli and those guys listen to them talk. I know you've seen it since you got your history of the Packers DVDs. Green Bay was where they sent you when nobody wanted you anymore. Yeah. You know, guys couldn't pick it out on a map. Lombardi couldn't pick it out on a map when he was first told to go there. And it, it took him getting guys to buy into his vision to make them understand we can win. And I, it's going to take the same type of drive from somebody to get these players in Cleveland to buy into their vision and say, hey, we can win. We don't have to lose. But is that a harder job for the Browns as an organization, as a just as a sports team at this point? Is it is it a harder job well, for me, them to do that than any other team? Like, yeah, like like the Titans down the road. They've been, they've been terrible for the past decade. Then you get John Robinson, the GM, you bring in, and they have a vision, and they do it, and, and they're rebuilding the culture, and it's worked because, you know, it hasn't been that long since the Titans had any success. It's, I mean, even before the Browns left, we're talking mid-'80s, and ever since yeah. then, it's just been, they've been the butt of every joke. It doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter what team you root for, the Browns are always a good punchline. You I mean, we've seen it done. They had to do it with the Colts because they were god-awful until Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning came along, and even Manning's first two years, he was terrible. But were the Colts... They were terrible. Were the Colts just, like, culturally mocked on everything? Playoffs? You kidding me? <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm ta- but I'm talking about just, like, as an organization, the Browns are just a punchline. TV talk shows, I mean, it's just... Taking the Browns to the Super Bowl, that yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I man. Mean, Is there? A, there's a the part Lions of are the next closest team in the NFL I can think of that seemed that way for a while. Yeah, where they were just inept at everything they were doing, and they just went out and drafted a wide receiver every year. <laughs> yeah, or the Raiders. I mean, he's young, he's fast, and he's black. Let's take him. I don't care if he can catch or not. <laughs> And that was the Raiders. Darius Hayward Bay, top ten pick. Exactly. Jamarcus yeah. Russell. Yeah, but even, but even but like, I but mean, even, but even I, then, me, but even then, like, if I were, I mean, if I were a player and I knew I was going to play with the Raiders, there's still that that aura of the Raiders where you're playing with the Raiders. The Mark, black the, hole. Yeah, the black hole. Yeah, John, John Madden, Madden, Al, uh, Al, what's Bo his Jackson, face? Bo Jackson. You know. Well, and that's where I think if it were me, I think you have to try to. It's what Mike McCarthy does with the rookies when they come into Green Bay. They give them a presentation on the history of the team so that they understand why Green Bay is about winning and why it's called Title Town USA. I think you have to dig into that with Cleveland. I think that what that organization needs to do. With every incoming draft class, they need to sit them down, dig into the history, talk about how great the franchise was, and get them on board with saying, we were this, we want to be this again, and you're going to help us do that. But see, like that's the weird thing. Technically, if you, st- if you show 
the players, the history of this Browns team, it starts with Tim Couch. Technically. They're not going to – that's not how they're going to pitch it, though. You know? Yeah. Because the Browns are the Browns. As far as most people are concerned, the Browns were just absent for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, uh, yeah. Jim Brown, he, he hitches his wagon to the Browns and, and not the Ravens. So Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, Jim Brown doesn't spend time in Baltimore. Yeah. Just like Johnny Unitas didn't travel down to Indianapolis. He he went all in on the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, there's a, that's a whole story there because that's some, a lot of bad blood. But, um, but yeah, I mean, no, no one thinks about the Ravens as the Browns. No one thinks about the Browns as an expansion team like they technically were. They're the Browns, and that history is there. So, I just I think if it were me, that's where I would go to try to stir something up there. And maybe that's just because I'm a fan of some teams with some rich history. I'm a Packers fan, and I'm a Kentucky fan. You got this rich football history in Green Bay, and the richest basketball history in the world in Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to get guys to buy in, and it's almost like you can get guys to buy in for the Raiders, for the Lions even. You just, you know, flip on yeah. flip on some Barry Sanders and be like, you can be the next Barry Sanders. For the Browns, you got to go way, way back. you got to be like, hey, you want to be the next Jim Brown? Like, <laughs> we've needed one for the past 60 yeah. years. I don't know, man. I, I just think there's a mentality in Cleveland. There's almost a part of me at this point that says maybe they should just blow the whole thing up and move the team and just say the Browns are done. See, I just don't want that. I don't either. I want Cleveland to be good. Dude, every every year because when I buy Madden... Because they're one of the originals. Every year when I buy Madden, I always play a franchise with the Browns just because I want to bring them you know, to a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, they're one of the original teams. Yeah. There's just a classic you just, team. You want to see them be good. You know, you have the Packers, you have the Giants, the Eagles, you know, teams like that, the Browns that are the original teams... The Colts, you know, you want to see these original, the original, what was it, nine teams? Mm-hmm. The original nine NFL teams be good and stay relevant. Yeah, it's like when it's like when they say uh, the NFL is better when the Raiders are good. I feel that yeah. I feel that way about the Browns, too. I totally agree with you. I, I, I wish, like, I wish they would just be... That dominant defense with that great home field advantage. Because right now the the stadium in Cleveland is you know forty percent full most of the time. Yeah, you know it, it's if that stadium was full and you see a playoff game winter time, you know you see the breath all over and you got these just you know good defense. People wearing dog masks. Yeah, man, the the, the dog pound like yeah, you know throwing bones and. And I know they are our opponents this week, and we should be shitting on them, but... Uh, <laughs> it's hard to. I, it they is. get shit on every day. It is. I have a soft spot in my heart for the Cleveland Browns, and I want well, I mean, them to there, do good. There are certain teams in this league that when I see them playing, I can't help but root for them unless we're playing them, obviously. Yeah. The Browns is one. Buffalo is another. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't help myself but to root for the Bills. Yeah, they're, when you've they're had a team, team go to like four that. straight Super Bowls and not win one, it's hard for me not to root for them. 
Yeah, they really never recovered after that. No. It's hard to. But, I, I don't know. I, I just think... Browns are in touch and a, and a really good uh, 30 for 30 to watch. And I guess this is why I, I I hope that the Browns get better and do good. Have you ever seen the 30 for 30 uh, Believeland? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that was really good. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a good one to watch. I, I Did you see it with the that. updated ending? Uh, I don't remember. Because they did an updated new ending after the Cavs won that title when LeBron came back. I don't remember if I saw... I don't know if that was... I don't know. I saw it on Netflix like two, three years ago, so... Yeah, because it's like the Cavs won the title like right after yeah. that 30-30 premiere, and they added a new ending to it and rebroadcast it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember, but it was, it's a, it's good. I, I highly suggest uh, if you people go watch it. All of their football one. documentaries are good. All of the football thirty for thirties are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This was good, just especially for the history of the Browns. I thought that. It was yeah. Just, I, I I just find it's so interesting to me when I when I see a Browns fan. I'm like, wow, you guys, like we said, like we said a minute ago, you guys are the real MVPs here. Um, yeah. yeah. You guys are the real fans. Um, but I guess let's move on. Let's let's get into uh, kind of this game a little, little bit here. Um, you know, the, like we like we talked about, the Browns have a really good defense, really good against the run, which I guess begs the question. I guess this is the million dollar question: Can the Packers beat the Browns if Brett Hundley has another subpar performance? If he, I think they can. That's the thing. They can. But it's going to take a lot of doing. It's going to be a real nasty 1960s style, grind it out, low scoring game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of. Because, I mean, the weather's not going to be ideal and it's going to be cold. So it's not going to be real conducive to the passing game, anyways. Yeah. Well, we talked about how good they were against the run, and we mentioned Danny Shelton a minute ago. Um, I did notice that he. Uh, was on the injury report for the Browns this week, so he may not play in this game. That would be a big loss for this Browns defense, especially oh, yeah. going against the run. Um, so that may be you know something to keep an eye on if Danny Shelton plays or not, because this team is, uh, especially against the run, a very different team without him clogging the middle, taking up two or three, uh, two or three blocks. So yeah, I mean they're they are sixth in the league against the run, and it's odd because their their rankings they match up to a point and then they just kind of fall off because if you look at their defensive rankings yeah they they're uh, sixth in the league against the run they're 17th in the league against the pass so they're right there in the middle 10th in the league overall in yards allowed per game but they're 27th in the league in points allowed at 25.7 so they may not give up a lot of yards but they give up points yeah, I think a lot of that's just turnovers, though. They turn the ball over a lot. I mean, you yeah, I mean their that turnover a... ratio is minus nineteen. Yeah, and that's that's what'll happen. Um, and you know, you look at our defense. We got we got a turnover. We got the block punt this last week. We got the Dean Lowry fumble recovery for the touchdown. We got to get some turnovers in this game. And you know, we talked about Dom Capers' defense. It's 
predicated on turnover. So, you know, yeah. we, we could feed on, we could feast on, on this Browns offense with, with Sean Kaiser at quarterback. Um, you know, but there's a weapon on the Browns that we have to be wary of who's just, I'm sure, chomping at the bit to come back and have a huge game. Ugh. Mr. Josh Gordon is back on this team after, what, two years or so of not playing? Yep. He, He's, he is back, glazed red eyes and all, and doesn't looks s- like he hasn't missed a beat. No, not at all. I mean, he, he was targeted 11 times last week against the Chargers and caught four receptions for 85 yards. Yeah. God forbid he catches half of the targets thrown because if he caught the ha- half of the targets thrown his way in the Chargers game, uh, he'd have probably had a 120, 130 yards and probably a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think what may be the saving grace in this game for us is that we're not bad against the run either. So if we're able to kind of hold their run game in check and more try to force Deshaun Kaiser to throw it to beat us. He's thrown six touchdowns on the year and 15 interceptions. Yeah. yeah I mean, and that's, he's taken 27 sacks. Yeah, if, if I'm Dom Capers, that's the blueprint. Don't let – you can't let Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson beat you. You got to stop the run and make Deshaun Kaiser beat you. But that also worries me because if Deshaun Kaiser throws the ball to Josh Gordon 15 times, <laughs> you know – I mean, and that's where I think they may draw Demarius Randall back outside from the slot to match up with Josh Gordon. Does Randall match up with Josh Gordon, though, well, do you think? Because Gordon's a big dude. Well, see, I was hoping we were going to have Kevin King for this matchup, but, you know, he's gone for the year. And Devon House's status for the game is up in the air. So it's it's just... I know Josh Gordon's a big dude, but Randall can jump too. Yeah, yeah, but that's it's the size difference in terms of you know all the the minutia of playing wide receiver when you're playing a quarterback. Uh, you know that, yeah. that kind of the the little push offs, the you know especially with the way we play defense. You know we're a bump and run. We like to jam at the line. Josh, Demarius Randall's not going to be able to, to jam Josh Gordon off the line. If he does, he's going to no, get burned and it, every time. It makes me wonder because Jameis started trying to eat up our defense when we went into the soft zone. Mm-hmm. This is not a zone team. And Dom Capers continues to want to fall into this damn zone defense. And I don't understand why. Because that's not where this defense excels. Yeah. And... If they can get aggressive with this defense and just, you know, take their chances to play man-to-man, play some play some man-up too deep and let Morgan Burnett and HaHa Clinton Dix kind of roam the deep part of the field to keep anybody from, you know, really busting a big play. Yeah. If you keep everything underneath and stop the run, I, I, I think that's what's going to have to happen. Yeah, I mean, let me let me look and see. I'm trying to think of who all the Browns have at wide receiver because they don't. You know, see, they uh, they got Josh Gordon. That's not it. They got a uh, Kenny Britt. Well, they like to throw the ball to Duke Johnson. Oh yeah, Duke Johnson was probably their number one receiver before Gordon got there. To be honest with you, um, oh, he he's got their most receiving yards on the year. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but then they also got Corey Coleman, who was a first round draft pick last year, who uh, hasn't done much. Uh, this year, I think he's been dealing with injuries and 
and whatnot. But he did have six receptions, 80 yards against Jacksonville, three for 64 against Cincinnati. Uh, didn't have any against the Chargers, but uh, he he could be a, he could be a threat. He's he's fast. Well, I mean, here's here's an interesting disparity for you. Duke Johnson has 52 receptions on the year. The next closest player to that is David Njoku with 28 receptions on the year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but that even but that even brings up you know the tight end position. David Njoku's been playing really well. This I year think he'll see a lot of Morgan Burnett. I think that would be smart. And because Burn- a lot of Morgan Burnett and a lot of Josh Jones. Yeah, I think Burnett. I think I think we'll see Burnett. I, th- I think. You look at the way Burnett plays against tight ends, the way he's shut down Jimmy Graham in the past. I mean, that's... I think Morgan Burnett may be the best safety in the league at covering tight ends. Dude, there's an argument to be made. I mean, you look at his, oh, yeah. you look at his track record. There's definitely an argument to be made. I uh, mean, I'm not sitting here saying Morgan Burnett's the best safety in the league, but when it comes to covering tight ends, I think he very well may be. Yeah. I mean, that, I, it's not completely out of the realm of sanity, but... Um, but yeah, you look at the way he plays against Jimmy Graham and, you know, most top tight, I mean, like I said, we are, uh, before last week, I don't know how much that's changed after Cameron Bright tore us up, but we were number one against tight ends in the league defensively. So, um, yeah. so if we can, if we can manage Njoku and not let Josh Gordon kill us, um, you know, I, I think defensively we'll be fine going against this offense. Cause like you said, the turnover, disparity that the Browns have that plays right into our hands. That's, that's exactly how we play defense. That's a, that's a Dom Capers defense, forced turnovers. And if we can do that, and I think our offense will do uh, just enough to win. Um, but here's, 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 here's the tough question. If we lose this game, by somehow, some way, the Browns get their first and probably only win of the season against the Green Bay Packers, if we lose this game, is that is that enough for Mike McCarthy to lose his job? Oh, I think it's enough for Dom Capers to lose his job, but I don't think it's enough for McCarthy to lose his job. I, I think if Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback and they lost to the Browns, that may be the issue. But with Brett Hundley at quarterback, I just don't think Ted Thompson's going to get rid of Mike McCarthy. I just don't see it. I don't. I mean, that is a good point. I thought of that too. Like, yeah, if if Rodgers was quarterback of this team and then we lost to the Browns, yeah, McCarthy probably should go. But at the same time, it's like we saw it happen last year with uh, McCoy, Mike McCoy, and the Chargers. The one the one win the Browns had last year was against the Chargers, and what happened to their coach? <laughs> bye bye, gone. gone. So. I mean, I could be wrong because Ted Thompson this past offseason got awful ballsy yeah. for his track record and, you know, doing some of the things that he did. So who knows? Ted could surprise me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, getting blown out without, like, without Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, getting blown out by, you know, the Eagles or something, I, McCarthy's, up. McCarthy's safe. But yeah, yeah. if McCarthy I mean, can't take the talent we have on the on this team – and coach them to beat, you know, the Browns. Even though we came close against the Steelers, even though we beat um, the Buccaneers this week, I don't know, man. I think the I think definitely the question, especially from the fan base, because let's be honest. Let's and I want to get your opinion on this, but I think 
in my mind it would be, if we lose to the Browns this week, this would be one of the worst losses in Green Bay Packers history. No, I agree. And and let's look at let's look back since Rodgers went down. Hundley came in cold against the Vikings. I don't count that. No. Because they didn't game plan for Hundley. He came in cold against a really good defense and still threw a touchdown against them. And uh God, was that is has that been his only touchdown he's thrown in Lambeau Field? <laughs> I don't know. Thinking about it, I think it may be. But um you know, looking looking at everything since then, you lose to the Vikings, that's excused. You allow the Lions to win in Green Bay. And in a game that was never as close as it seemed at any point to yeah. me. And then you get walked over by the Saints. That's I thought we played this. They're hot. Yeah, we played the Saints tough though. It was it was Yeah, we did. They put up a fight against the Saints. Gonna give them a pass on that one because they are just ridiculous. Yeah. Even even with the loss to Atlanta on Thursday night, the Saints are still ridiculous. They have a running back duo in Ingram and Kamara that are on a historic pace. Um I don't really excuse the loss to the Lions because it's Detroit, and they're not supposed to win in Green Bay. Yeah, and we're still sitting here. We're sitting here at six, six and six. You mentioned it when we did our NFC North Power Rankings. Um, then the loss to the Ravens. You got blanked at home. You got blanked at home, and I put that one squarely on the shoulders of McCarthy because he was completely and totally unwilling to try Joe Callahan. Because Hundley was just throwing it away left and right. I mean, it was just bad. They didn't do anything to try to salvage that game. Yeah, that was probably Hundley's worst performance. Oh, by, by far. far. Yeah. And then um, you play the Steelers tough. You know, you're a 14 point underdog, and it comes down to a final field goal. And you know, the the fact of the matter is, you could you might be able to pin that loss on McCarthy's bad decision making. For that fifty-seven-yard field goal attempt, which yeah was so, I mean that's something else to look at. So if you know, in spite of the performance, so so yeah, I mean just yeah, we beat the Bucks, but we were completely outplayed in every facet of the game. Oh yeah, they really shouldn't have beat the Bucks. Let's be yeah. really honest here. If you look, if you look at the stats side by side, the Bucks. Yeah, if you look at the box score, yeah, you you know the Bucks win that game ninety-nine out of a hundred times. Yeah. So, especially with... And then if you lose to the Browns, if you lose to the Browns, you don't bring Aaron Rodgers back. There's yeah. no point. And that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, if you can't beat the Browns, knowing that all you got to do is beat the Browns, and then you get your quarterback back, and then you can make a run and see what happens, playoff-wise. If you can't get your team up to play well enough to beat the Cleveland Browns, who have won one game in two years, who, if you can't coach a team well enough to beat a team that has won one game in two years, I think the seat will get hot for McCarthy really fast. If not, it'll it'll get hot by it'll get hot from the media, it'll get hot from the fans, and I think eventually, I think it. it 
it could it could it could cost him his job, and it, I think it could uh, it could cost a few people their job. I think Ted Thompson would be on the hot seat as well. Well, I, I think this is the scenario that costs people their jobs. You lose to the Browns, you're mathematically pretty well. You know, you're done. You're you're done. Yeah. You're out of the playoffs. You're not making the playoffs with seven losses in the NFC. No. Period. Yeah, that's a given. So you drop to six and seven. You don't bring Rodgers back because there's no reason to risk any further injury to him. Then you lose to Carolina on the road. Then you get destroyed by Minnesota on the road. And then you get beat by Detroit on the road. You lose out the rest of the season after you lose to the Browns. It's a complete and total tailspin, which I could definitely see happening if they lose to the Browns. Then I think, yeah, I think McCarthy loses his job if they lose out the rest of the season. Yeah, I I don't think there's any other way to go. I think I think and I think he knows that. I think I think a loss to the Browns would be the 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 straw that breaks the camel's back. Like be the what, the first nail in the coffin. No, I think that would just be the coffin. That oh. that some bitch is nailed up and ready to be buried because all of what we talked about these past few games without Aaron Rodgers and the way that. All these games, we probably could have and should have lost. We we could we should be winless right now. The Bears, I don't know. The Bears are shit, but and we should always beat the Bears. But other than that, and that was only one good half against the Bears. Yeah. So, I think if we lose to the Browns, that's that's just that's it. I, I don't I don't see any way McCarthy or this organization rebounds, especially when you know. Hey, all we gotta do is beat the Browns, and then Rodgers comes back, and we're back in the hunt, baby. That's all we need. We'll be over five hundred, and we just gotta make a run, see what happens. If, when, if McCarthy you know, can't do that, then it's, it's 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 lost. This team is not that bad. Yeah, we yeah. have talent. Well, and here's the thing: it's something interesting I just saw looking at the matchup comparison for the teams. When you look at the offenses right now, in the offensive comparison. Who do you think gains more total yards per game, Packers or Browns? Uh, honestly, the Browns. <laughs> yep, the Browns, three hundred eight point six to three hundred five point nine. There you go. Who has more passing yards per game, Packers or Browns? Uh, just because you're asking me, and I'm, I'm, I've already gotten the point. I'm going to say the Browns. 202.8 to 197.3 <laughs> Browns. The only thing in the offense that the Packers are doing better than the Browns is rushing yards per game with 108.6 to the Browns 105.8. Yeah. And and you know that's got to be our saving grace. To make all you uh, to make all you male listeners jealous out there who wish they had a wife who knew football. I sit down and I, I'm talking to Shelby tonight when I get home from work about football and about this game, and she says, well, Mike McCarthy's already prepared for the loss. I said, what do you mean? She said, you haven't seen anything of what he said yet? I said, no, I, you know, I've been at work. I haven't really been able to see anything. She said, oh, no. He came out, and all he wanted to do was talk about the talent they have on that team and how good of a team they have in Cleveland and how hard it's going to be to go in there and come out with a W. He's already preparing for a loss. Well, I think that I, I think like, everybody says that. 
I think every coach says that. I know. You have but to say you can't go in there and be like, "Hey, it's Cleveland. We're going to fuck them hard." And you know, you, you can't I, say that. So. I know that. <laughs> I know that. But you do have to wonder. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, McCarthy knows a loss to the McCarthy Browns. McCarthy knows a loss is very possible. I don't know if it's possible. I mean, yeah, it's always possible to lose a game in the NFL. There's no gimmies. It's not, you know, we're not playing Appalachian State, which... Well, it's but. it's like a Vic used to always say, the other guys are getting paid, too. Exactly. These are pros. There's a lot of talent on that Browns team, and Mike McCarthy knows that if if the Packers lose to the Browns this week and there's no chance or there's no need for Rodgers to come back and the season is over, that is a doomsday scenario for Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because even if because if they beat the Browns and even if Rodgers comes back and we lose to Carolina or we lose to Minnesota, McCarthy can still say, look, we just got beat by a better team. We had our quarterback, everything was there, but we were playing a really good team. We lost. What can I say? Yeah. There's no excuse to not beat the Browns. There's no. There's no excuse. For a team with the talent we have, the talent level we have, the, the winning culture that we have, and the head coach that we supposedly have, a very successful head coach, a Super Bowl winning head coach. There's no excuse yeah. not to not to beat the Browns. I don't give a I don't give a damn who the quarterback is. Matt Flynn could be Scott Tolzien could be the quarterback. We should beat the Browns. Hit. <laughs> so that's that's where I'm at. Um but just to bring it up, so we're getting away from the doomsday. Last topic before we get into stat lines, wrap this sucker up. I just want your answer. I want your gut feeling on this. But if we win, if we beat the Browns and we move on, and Rodgers does come back, gets the start going into Carolina, can we run the table one more time and get into the playoffs? What's your gut feeling? Will it happen? No. All right. I hate to say it. I really do. I really hate to say it. But Rodgers is coming back after surgery. Yeah, he looks good throwing the ball from all accounts. He looks great throwing the ball. But there's going to be some rust. That's inevitable. Yeah. There's no way around it. And the one game remaining on the schedule post-Browns that worries me that I just don't think this team wins no matter who's playing quarterback, as much as I really hate to say it, and you know where I'm going with this, is the Minnesota game. Well, it's on the road. No, it's at home. We get him at Lambeau. Is it? Yeah, we get him at Lambeau. Um, and think about this. Keep this in mind. Carolina, the the Panthers game worries me the most because that's the one I I think we could mostly. Uh, the Vikings game doesn't worry me as much, just because if Aaron Rodgers is back playing, and we get the Vikings at Lambeau Field. Uh, and at that point, the Vikings might have a bye wrapped up, and they're kind of just – they're already in the playoffs, and it's not important to them, really. Um, I, I, I like our chances better against the Vikings in Lambeau Field than I do against the Carolina Panthers on the road. That's just me. Oh, yeah, okay. I was thinking about the game earlier in the season being during the day. And with it being inside and the sun coming through those windows, all I could think of was the sun on Lambeau Field. Yeah, I'm I'm used to the artificial lights <laughs> with the Vikings, you know. Yeah, the old Metrodome, but yeah, I yeah. don't know. My gut feeling, yes. <laughs> I mean, I want to say yes. I just don't, and we've kind of traded places because I'm normally the optimist here. For real, but I I just. 
dude, I, I said it before the show even started tonight. I don't even have a good feeling right now about this game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, this... I want to. I just don't. I, the, I think the organization as a whole hinges on this game against the Browns. But if we beat the Browns and Aaron Rodgers is coming back against Carolina, it almost... If I were a betting man, I would bet on Aaron Rodgers getting us to the playoffs. Somehow it happens every goddamn year. It's like there's just weird the only there's thing weird scenarios, too, though, is... there's weird things that have to happen, and they always do, and somehow we always get there. One way or another. Well, that's by hook the, thing. Or crook. the Packers, even if even if they win out, they've gotta have help getting in. Because you know, you got a team in Atlanta ahead of us that owns a tiebreaker over us. So that's one obstacle right there. But see, like we beat Carolina, that's a tiebreaker we get over Carolina, who we could knock out that's of a true. wild card spot. We've already got a tiebreaker over Seattle. Um, you know, there's a lot of football well, left think, we play. There's a lot Carolina of things that plays happen. Minnesota on Sunday. So that's a big game for us. Yeah. And honestly, go Vikings. you hate to say it, but you got to root for Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, go Vikings. <laughs> but I don't know. I, for some – if – if it comes back, if it comes down to Aaron Rodgers coming back, like I said, if we lose the Browns, fuck it, blow it all up. It, it's over. Like it's it's over. But if we beat the Browns and Rodgers comes back, and we're going into Carolina with Aaron Rodgers, I say we're running the table again, and somehow, some way, we're going to get into the playoffs. And who, who knows what happens from there? We, we might make another run. Well, I mean, as far as this weekend, root for Minnesota, root for um, New York, the Giants. Yeah. Root for the Jaguars. I mean, that's the teams you really got to root for going into this weekend. Um, well, you see, even Dallas, even if Dallas wins, if we beat the Browns... We hold the tiebreaker exactly, there. Exactly, we got a tiebreaker over Dallas. So we do have some things in our favor. And in uh, Tampa Bay, root for Tampa Bay. They play the Lions. Yeah. And, you know, the Lions, who knows, they could be spiraling out of control too. The way they played, they tend to do the that. The way they played against the Ravens, holy moly! <laughs> I wouldn't. They, they that tend no. to do that a lot going into the the home stretch of the season. Yeah, it's it's very Detroit of them. Plus, we get them at the end of the year too, so that yeah, you know. So, so there's a lot of football after we played, but we got to get, we got to, we got to just, we got to jump this hurdle of the Browns. Yeah, they're they they're winless. Yeah, they're the Browns, but at the same time. They're also uh, coach poison. If you're a head coach and you lose to the Cleveland Browns, you're probably losing your job, even if your name is Mike McCarthy. And I think Mike McCarthy knows that. So he better have this team ready to to go and ready to kick ass on Sunday. Or he's going to be looking for a new job. (laughs) That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, Well, are you ready for some stat lines, Ty? Yeah, yeah, let's let's dig in. All right, let's do it. It's time. For what week is this? Uh, fourteen. Week fourteen. It's time for your week fourteen stat lines. All right, I will go first this week uh, for my stat lines, and uh, see there, all Packers, two offensive players, one defensive player, uh, and I'm going to start with our violent, vicious running back Jamal Williams. Yes, the Browns have a good run defense. Danny Shelton might not be playing. I'm going to bank on that he doesn't play just because I'm being optimistic at this point. 
And then I'm going to say Jamal Williams goes 24, 24 carries for 155 yards and one touchdown for the violent, oh, vicious Jamal Williams. I, I just think he's in a groove right now. You just watch the way he runs. Yeah. You watch the way he played against Tampa Bay. The dude's he's feeling himself right now. So I'm I'm going to run with him, Jamal Williams. Um, my next stat uh, for my stat lines this week, I'm going. Here, here's an interesting stat. Four of the past five weeks, the Cleveland Browns have allowed a touchdown to a tight end. And they've allowed nine touchdowns uh, overall this season. They're one of the worst teams in the league against tight ends. Interesting. So my stat line this week, I'm going with hands of silk, legs of stone, Richard Rodgers. Four receptions, 54 yards, one touchdown. Is that bold or what? What do you think about that one? That's very bold. That's almost as bold as Randall Cobb throwing a touchdown <laughs> pass. Dick Rod's going to have have himself a game this week. Well, well, well. And I'm flipping over to the defense for my third stat line this week. And uh, we talked about him earlier. We think he can cover the hell out of some tight ends. And, hell, he might even be playing some slot in this game. Who knows? Morgan Burnett. I'm going with Morgan Burnett, a name we don't really bring up a lot on stat lines. But I'm going with him this week. i got a good feeling. i got a good feeling about him. Uh, going against the Browns. I got him with eight total tackles, two tackles for a loss, one pass defense, and one interception for Mr. Morgan Burnett, the captain of our secondary. Uh, Not bad at all. Yeah, I think he's he's going to have himself a game. But those are my stat lines. Jamal Williams, 24 carries, 155 yards, one touchdown, hands of silk, legs of stone, Richard Rodgers, four receptions, 54 yards, one touchdown, and Morgan Burnett, Eight total tackles, two tackles for a loss, one pass defense, and one interception. Those are my stat lines for this week. Ty, can you beat me with uh, can you beat me with your stat lines on the bold scale? I don't know if I'm going to beat you on the bold scale, but I can certainly give it a give it a shot here. <laughs> I'm starting with the defense this week. Mine are all Packers as well, going with my uh, my traditional set. But I'm starting with the defense and going with the uh, the future Pro Bowler and future possibly All Pro. He, on Twitter, he goes by at BigBlake50, and that's Blake Martinez. He's going to finish this game with a tackle for a loss, 13 total tackles. Good Lord. Good, solid Martinez stat line there. Yeah, it's pretty pretty be all over the, the field. Yeah. I, I got to try to get a sure thing in there, get some points, you know. Oh, yeah. And then I'm going to the running backs with the stat lines going with the the angry man himself Jamal Williams I think he's going to get 16 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown nice he's he's going to have a little bit of load lighting with Aaron Jones there and then I'm finally going to give you a stat line on Brett Hundley Uh-oh. here we go Brett Hundley is going to go 14 of 30 lord <laughs> yeah is this another one of your uh, 22 of 30 for 120 yards and three interceptions or whatever that stat line he's was? He's going 14 of 30 for 98 yards God. and an interception, but he's going to have six carries for 70 yards. Interesting. Well, he had six for 77 against the Bucks, so uh, hey, I'm down for it. If we move the ball, yeah. get in position, get Jamal Williams down there, but uh, your stat lines are worrying me. I-, I feel like you're picking the Browns in this game. You might be surprised. 
I mean, who knows? We may have a defensive touchdown this game as well. That's true. That's true. It's going to be Morgan Burnett, pick six, all the way. I mean, that's, that's like you said, that's where those points seem to come from against the Browns, is from the opponent's defense. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Good thinking. Blake Martinez, one tackle for a loss, 13 total tackles. Jamal Williams, 16 carries, 80 yards, one touchdown. And Brett Hundley, with a very Brett Hundley-like performance, 14 to 30, 98 yards, one interception. But he also will have six carries for 70 yards. Those are your stat lines for Week 14. Packers at the Browns. It's, it's do or die time. <laughs> like this is. It's a playoff game. Yeah, this is. Uh, Who would ever thought we'd have a playoff game against the Browns? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's it. We this is we got to win this one. And, uh, boy, if we don't, uh, Green Bay will be in flames by Monday morning. And Oh, my God, yeah. Can you imagine Twitter? I, I Sadly, I can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen some vitriol from people on Twitter. Packers' Twitter is going to look like the villagers trying to burn down Frankenstein's castle. Oh, yeah. Or there, there's going to be pitchforks. They are going to be coming for Mike McCarthy. Oh, yeah. There's going to be pitchforks and torches. Uh, heading for uh, heading for Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson and probably everybody on this team. Um, so they got to know that they got to be prepared. Mike McCarthy knows that he better have this team ready to go because I, I don't know how you come back from from being from losing to the Browns when you have everything to lose. You know what I'm saying? Oh so, yeah. So and that's the thing is it's like we've talked about in the past. You know you have a an irresistible force meeting an immovable object. You've got a team with nothing to lose playing a team with everything to lose. Yeah. And and scary enough, uh, it's a lot of the times the team with nothing to lose has the edge. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they got nothing. You know, it's, you know. Well, you can bet they're going to throw the kitchen sink at Green Bay. Oh yeah, this Sunday because they don't want to be winless. They don't want to be the second team in NFL history to go zero and sixteen. And with the remainder of their schedule, this is their best chance for a win. As much as I just don't want to say that it is. Yeah, and you know they want to win at home, so yeah. Whew. Take a deep breath, Packers fans. This this could be a like I said, if we lose, if they lose it. It is, to me, one of the worst losses in Packers history. And that's a lot of yeah. history, and that's covering a lot of ground. But I... I mean, even Leroy Butler has talked about it when they lost to a winless Colts team in 1997. Yeah. They were their one win that year, and everybody felt like garbage. Yeah. It's... <laughs> and that was a good team, too, the 97 team. Yeah, they went thirteen and three. Yeah, so one of those three just happened to be to the winless Colts. Mm. Well, let's hope for the best. If not, I'll be drinking on Sunday night. Um, <laughs> but if I am drinking and I'm drunk uh, uh, on Twitter, drunk tweeting, you can follow that and follow all the shenanigans that go on uh, on our Twitter at Blue Cheese Radio, at Radiation Mike, at Titletown Tie. Uh, I'm sure it'll be interesting one way or the other if we win or lose this week. Um, so 
Follow us on Twitter. Add us on Facebook. Give us that like. Facebook.com backslash Blue Cheese Radio. Uh, you'll find out when uh, the show drops first thing on Facebook, uh, whenever that may be. And, uh, of course, you'll never miss a show if you subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Um, we get downloaded directly to your phone, directly to your iTunes, wherever you want to listen to us, your computer, laptop, tablet, wherever, uh, wherever you have iTunes, uh, we'll be there for you. And, of course, packtothefuture.com. Uh, visit that for everything Packers, articles, podcasts, play breakdowns, player profiles, you name it. Uh, the best Packers fan site on the Internet. Take my word for it. It's a guarantee. Good stuff on there uh, every day pretty much at this point. So check it out. Uh, of course, Blue Cheese Mailbag. Uh, any questions, any comments, if you just want to say, hey, what up, dog, what it is, uh, Blue Cheese Mailbag at AskBlueCheese at gmail.com. Hit us up on there. Um, but, yeah. We'll check it someday. <laughs> One of these days. <laughs> we forgot the password. I don't even know what the password is. That damn thing anymore. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see it one day. Um, but that about do it for us this week, Ty. Anything left you want to say to these people before we head into the great unknown? <laughs> well, everybody take a real long, deep breath. Steady your nerves. And prepare for the worst. Because the best may still happen. Yeah. It's... <laughs> but I, I'm preparing for the worst. So. Well, yeah. I mean... <laughs> I tried to leave a word of encouragement, but I, I don't know. <laughs> but how leave it to me. Leave it to me to shoot at twenty that. after four in the morning. Yeah, leave it to me to shoot that right down. Uh, yeah, that'll do it for us this week, folks. We'll be back next week. Uh, could be a very interesting show next week. We'll just put it that way. But until then, I'm Mike, and I'm Ty. And there is your dagger. And no, 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 no. Here's how it's done. And there is your dagger!